0: Welcome to CraigCast. This episode is brought to you by NoTax, K-N-O-W-Tax. No NoTax K-N-O-W, tax. No tax specializes in cloud-based accounting software, and they can help you out. When I first got my first job, I used to do my own taxes on QuickBooks. And, you know, it wasn't too bad. I was a business major in school. But since switching to NoTax, I've gotten a better return. Results not guaranteed. It's taken me a lot less time. And I've just enjoyed this experience a lot more. This episode is also brought to you by SIP, located downtown Plattsburgh. SIP, it's one of my favorite restaurants. They always serve fresh local food. They got, I'm not sure if it's the biggest tap list, but definitely top three biggest tap lists. And they make some great cocktails. So if you're in the mood for some lunch or some dinner, stop on down to SIP. I am here with Philip Page, he is a partner in the Madrid Mercantile a realtor with TLC Real Estate, and a recovering political figure. Welcome to CraigCast. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So, I want to get right to the point. Tell me about
1: those balsam holiday baskets that you make. Alright, yeah, so that's an interesting topic to start on. Uh, Last year, uh, I tried, uh, my objective was to maybe sell 10 of these things. I had made them the year prior, they had been in my office, and when folks would come in for meetings, they'd make remarks, and those. Where did you get that? I'd like to buy one of those. And I, you know, would just mention I made it myself. So my goal was to sell ten. I superseded that goal more than tenfold, uh, and it was a lot of fun. It was an excuse to go to camp in the Adirondacks on an almost daily basis. I'd fill my Explorer to the brim with uh, fresh balsam, which smells awesome. And then I'd have to put on the waders and go into the swamp to get these uh, winterberries, which are these really bright red. Where
0: does winterberry grow?
1: Is it like deep in swamp marshy, country, basically? Yeah, yeah, like good luck finding it on dry Do you see moose there ever? No, I've never seen a moose live. I would love to, but no, I've not yet. you see seen one yet. dead, though? Yeah, I used to have one right there on the wall. Oh, I thought you meant like we came late to the hunt. No, right? no, 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 I had one on the wall here. Uh, so it's quite an adventure to get the actual produce for these things. And uh, last year, I sold, sold a huge amount of them. I met a lot of great people. And now this year, I decided I wanted to do the bulk of that by pre-order to get an idea of what my you know velocity would be, volume rather, and a better schedule so that it wasn't such a massive roller coaster. In the first week of pre-orders, I've already sold more than I did over the course of the entire season last year, and there's no sign of slowing down. So uh, I'm going to get myself in trouble here, and I'm going to have like that whole room... Uh, filled with stacks of balsam and uh, these. So I primarily use uh, maple sap buckets. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nick, my partner, is going to be real thrilled because he'll be stepping on the balsam needles again this year. And we'll be finding berries underneath the furniture for the next six months. But it's a good experience. So we'll bring it back. So what What building are we currently in? So we are in my home, which is at One Elm in Madrid. Uh, it's a very bizarre structure. Uh, you'll have to look online, find a picture of it. Uh, it's, a, I would say half normal house and half gigantic tower with a mansard roof on top of it. And the, we call it the cupola. It's technically not a cupola. It's more of a Belvedere. What's the difference? Um, a cupola, a cor- the correct definition of a cupola is easier to describe. Like on top of a barn, you see that almost uh, cylindrical structure with a, a pointy roof. It's primarily for exhaust, um, Whereas a Belvedere, I think, is more of like a widow's walk. You could actually... You can go out on it. Yeah, it yeah, it's, it's, has more structural mass. Um, the interesting thing about the tower and what we call the cupola, and we call it that because that's what the people here in town have always called it. Um, the The footprint of the room we're sitting in was the original log home that sat on the structure. So they had four kids, um, Enoch and Eunice Poor, and they lived in a one-room log home, On this footprint here Uh, They recycled the logs into the first story Of the main house in 1830 Discovering that Was a very expensive uh, Discovery in our renovation last year Um, So was
0: it like Log home with siding on it Almost or
1: No so what they had done When they tore down the log structure that was here They reused a lot of the beams and stuff uh, You know in traditional beam fashion But they essentially took the logs From being horizontally laid To being vertical and they sawed them right down the center, and they had notches at the top, so the beams rest in that notch, and you have logs lining the house. so I guess it is a you know log in the sense or a log home in the sense that it's made of logs, but not in uh so they almost timber framed
0: the walls yeah, of? so
1: there's the only break in the logs is where the windows are mm-hmm. and the problem from a renovation perspective was. Well, a the contractor had only ever read about this style. I think what did he call it? Um, post and plank. It wasn't even post and beam. It's like <laughs> even more intense than yeah. that. So we had to put insulation. We had to rewire. But there was nothing to. There's no, It's
0: not like two by fours to go in. Yeah.
1: So we had to effectively from the wall that is behind you over that has all been reframed, reinsulated, new electric. Yeah. All the plumbing is brand new. So the the main house, as we call it, is a new home in the shell of an old home. Uh, the tower we're sitting in right now in the first story, this is one of two rooms left in the whole house with the original plaster, and that's got to change. I mean, you can see the... It has a really oh. interesting rounded ceiling. That has character. Yeah, it has character, but, I mean, <laughs> it's chipping. It's not really ideal.
0: Is this, idea. this asbestosville? I don't think so. It probably was before
1: asbestos. On yeah, true. Really... That's a good point. Long. It, I mean, even the plaster was accordion plaster, like very, very early, early yeah. uh, plaster and lath. So... The construction uh, of this house is very primitive but it's not going anywhere Um, so the the house itself um, has a lot of cool history i'd done a bunch of research on it before i even moved in Um, i'm a big nerd so i went to the county uh, clerk's office and was digging through deeds and did all sorts of research on those people Uh, so yeah that was uh, an interesting experience gives you a little
0: more appreciation for the place too here put it down slightly so you're talking like almost at the blue
1: yeah how's that
0: yeah you're good okay that's awesome. Well, you've had your eye on this home for a while, right? Because you were did you grew up? You grew up pretty much in yeah. Madrid. Yes, in Madrid. Don't it's, you ever call it Madrid people? No, and they will. They will correct you, and they're yes. not too happy about
1: it. We we pronounce half of our towns in this area. So, how do you pronounce Huvelton? Huvelton. Hewelton. North but, Country so native, basically. On paper, if you looked at what we call Hopkitten, it's Hopkinton. Hopkitten. Yeah. So like, hop and then kitten. Yeah. Not at all how it's actually spelled. Um, we say Canton in a, a weird way that folks from out of the area are like, what the heck are you trying to say? Uh, what else do we say? That's weird. Uh, we have Pickering, which is uh, on paper, Pit-Karen. Uh we, we have all sorts of bizarre pronunciations. I'm not sure what the root of that is. Uh, my... I'm not going to go into my dad's theory about inbreeding, but he would say it's generations of inbreeding. Could be. It's a small, small no, population. You I, know. I dispute that. I, I'm a genealogy nerd. None of that. Um, <laughs> I forget what your original question was now. Oh, I on the house. Yeah, so I grew up 10 houses down the street from here. And uh, actually, originally, I grew up way closer. So we're, there's one house between my house and the downtown corridor. The people who lived What's here, the downtown quarter, like where the bakery is, the, yeah, I guess the da- yeah, like downtown yeah, downtown district. Downtown. So the the lady and the gentleman who lived in this house my whole life they'd been here for sixty years. They owned a General Store in the square there. Joe, the gentleman, was my grandfather's best man. Nancy was my grandma's best friend, and we, uh, my parents and I, lived in a house that my grandma owned on the hill. Very poor, very very poor. And Nancy was the type of lady who, when I would go up to get milk or bread or what have you, uh, you could say, put it on the tab. Like this was an old school sort of thing. And the house that we lived in was just behind the store and the house itself had no yard. So Joe and Nancy gave us the store's backyard to be my play area. So I had my little sandbox there and whatnot. Fast forward 23 years, my parents not owning a home until they were quite old I'm buying the house from Nancy and Joe at 23 years old. So I had grown up loving this house. It looked like the Adams Family house. It was in a state of, on the exterior at least, disrepair. It hadn't been painted in decades. It, if you picture the Adams Family, the monsters, that was this house. Uh, so yeah, the, the day this house came on the market, I was leaving for grad school. I was convinced it was not going to happen. It was still in the market when I came back from grad school. And lo and behold, here we are two years later, sitting here. In this money pit of a lovely house
0: <laughs> oh i always tell people like it's not it's not all fun and games when you get like our house was it was covered in mold it didn't have a bathroom didn't have a kitchen and it was um we took out seven thousand pounds of trash so i know i know how you feel when you you, you discover our house had when we first looked at it, it had a little spot of mold in one corner and um we were like do you care if it was it It wasn't a foreclosure but it basically mm-hmm. was like i don't think people ever lived there for like six six years or something yep. it's like oh do you care if we take off a little sheetrock and see They're like no that's fine and we took off a little piece of sheetrock behind the um behind the sheetrock was insulation and the insulation wasn't moldy so like this is great they were like you know what that could be good it might be such a tight house that like a little condensation just rose in that corner perfect so um we buy it. We bought it for forty five thousand. So it was like we basically wanted it for the land, mm-hmm. and take off some sheetrock and take take off the uh, insulation. And behind it, we're like, oh, that corner is a little moldy. Let's go a little further. Let's go a little further. Do everything <laughs> like gutted. It was pretty much gutted before. Like the two by sixes were exposed in some spots because mm-hmm. it was originally a hunting cabin, basically, and then they built additions around it. So we had to. New septic, new well pump, mm-hmm. pretty much new everything. So we sort of we know how you feel when uh, the the joys of
1: renovating a home and because everything, nothing's free. No, 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 no. <laughs> and there are plenty of surprises just when you think, okay, I have everything under control. Well, there goes such and such. Uh, what was the biggest surprise you found renovating, or like the coolest thing you found? I would answer that in two different ways. The coolest thing we found was, and it's probably. Just over there on the um, mantle, there we found a Civil War medal in the wall. Uh, not sure how it got in there. When uh, was the Civil War? Uh, ended in 1865, so uh, yeah, around so... The mid mid 1800s. Um, so th- that section of the house had been built for 30 years when the war happened, and the medal we've determined was like the the precursor to the American Legion. It was given to folks who were veterans of that war. Yeah. So how it ever ended up in the wall? Remains a mystery. That was the coolest thing we found. The not so coolest <laughs> thing we found was that when you first walk in the house, there's this beautiful yellow birch staircase, which was one of the things that I noticed as a kid. You know, I'd come here for trick or treat. I'd get to peek in the house. And I was just drooling over this. The problem was when they put that staircase in, they cut through structural beams that did no, you know, shoring up of any kind. So... The house, the second story, which was added on much later, was pushing on walls that had no structural support whatsoever. So beams that were not meant to be holding up the whole house were holding up the whole house and had cracked substantially. So not only did we have to put all new LVLs underneath the existing beams, uh, laminated something all beams. the engineered beams? Yeah. Yeah. Very pricey. I just made a little money. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, We had to put all new beams in the main house, and then we had to reinforce a wall to the extent that rather than being just—I'm guessing how thick a wall is, like, 8 inches, roughly. This wall is, like, 16 inches because it has beams built into the wall itself that are holding up the upstairs. So that was, like— $20,000 plus of just beams that you can't even see or enjoy that were necessary. (laughs) So I watched my dreams of a master bath upstairs like flying out the window with each beam they put in. But it was one of those decisions that it was the right thing to do. Structural integrity. The house is going to be here for, God willing, another 200 plus years. So hopefully I'm that homeowner that somebody someday is like, oh, thank God they did this for me rather than me looking back and saying, oh, Mr. Atriessen, why did you cut holes through beams and just... (laughs) So, yeah, that was a learning experience.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's there's, I didn't grow up building, like, I grew up plumbing, so I knew, I know about plumbing. Measure twice, cut once. It's pretty, plumbing is really simple. It's Mm -hmm. just mostly dealing with the stuff that's there already. Like, if you're plumbing a house that's just rough, like, Mm -hmm. there's just two by six walls, it's pretty easy. But when there's already a nice finished ceiling and there's tile and all that stuff,
1: that's when plumbing gets fun. For, and unfortunately because they had ripped everything out, it was easier in the sense that it was all, you know, rough in. Uh, we did add a bathroom upstairs, but it's right above the kitchen, so that was really convenient yeah. for the contractors. And we did all PEX tubing. And, PEX is awesome. Yeah. I'm really happy we went that way. And we... we we tried to do those important things that you don't see but you appreciate in the long run we did blown in or not blown in insulation excuse me we did um, spray foam? spray foam
0: I want to do spray foam at my place extremely
1: honestly. satisfied with it um, DMT foam just like 10 minutes away from here did an absolutely phenomenal job uh, can't recommend them highly enough they did the basement they did the interior walls of the first story they came back and did extra they were awesome yeah. and we've noticed a difference already just in how much greater the heat retention of the houses i haven't seen the heating bills yet because this will be yeah. the first winter what do you heat with? um natural gas uh, that's not bad yep, we that's have a boiler true. that um, christ was a child when the boiler was put in so at any minute <laughs> knock on wood that boiler could go really hoping that's not the case but uh that's probably one of our next big purchases that you don't see but is necessary
0: yeah, yeah we heat with just wood so hopefully just wood never really goes i guess i have to worry about my back really that's really the only...
1: Uh... Back in chimney fires.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Don't say that. But it's yeah. a straight shot chimney, so it's oh, not too good. bad. Very good. Nice. So you also have... So you have...
1: Well, tell me, I'll... what'd you do today? This will be a perfect intro to it. Well, I spent uh, most of the day at an antique auction, which I do quite frequently. I like to, to buy and sell antiques. I am a bit of an auction addict. I think that Auctions Anonymous should be a thing, and I should be the president of the new organization. I uh, Just today, let's see, we brought two truckloads and a full Explorer home. Um, I've brought uh, 26-foot-long U-Hauls home from auctions before. <laughs> I tend to go a little overboard, but it's a lot of fun. It's a fun hobby that pays for itself. You meet great people. You learn a lot of uh, really interesting things. I appreciate old school construction styles of, you know, the carpentry. A good dovetail is like music to my eyes.
0: Everything used to be so artisan and beautiful. It's crazy now.
1: I mean, you see, so just behind you, I got this beautiful, gigantic walnut desk. This thing weighs a ton and a half, but that desk is going to be here for another 200 plus years. That thing is rock solid, beautiful, and hopefully we'll never leave this house as long as I'm alive because I don't want to move it again. (laughs) <laughs> it's one of those few things i i'll buy something and i say you know i don't think i'm going to sell this i'm going to keep this and then a month later i'm kind of sick of it and i decide to sell it this piece i have a feeling will be here for the long haul how
0: do you get the how do you get into it like did you have family members used to auction or like tv shows or just
1: you know not really um my parents we we had antiques in the house but it wasn't necessarily by choice it was by you know inheritance yeah um I personally think it was my love of local history and um, history in general. When I'd go to a museum, I'd always be like, oh, my gosh, those, that furniture is beautiful. And I always wish I could live in a museum. So I'm kind of living out my dream by filling this place with. Yeah, you get in there. You
0: got Civil War stuff. That's so cool, the Civil War.
1: Yeah, that was fun to find. Um, and it's always, you know, that, that piece in particular is cool because it, it has a story. And I, I'm pretty sure I've figured out which person in this house is history was in the civil war. So I can, I can make a reasonable guess as to who owned that originally. Um, and I love when, you know, you buy an antique piece that the auctioneer is able to tell you, this came from the so-and-so estate and mm-hmm. they were this, they were the grandson of so-and-so. Um, the number of pieces in this house that, you know, I can tell you this belonged to such and such person. And that's that big stone house out on route 31 or whatnot. Yeah. I like the, the added story to the, to the pieces. And I think, you know, when I'm selling these things, too, other folks have connections to that. Yeah. You know, I, I sold a set of four chairs recently that came from Fox Island, which is, like, at the mouth of the St. Lawrence and, uh, Lake Ontario. And the fellow who bought them from me, his family had a farm on Fox Island. And he treasures mm-hmm. these chairs now because of that familial connection. Yeah. So I really enjoyed that. I think it's a lot of fun. And, I like I said, I appreciate the craftsmanship.
0: Yeah, I mean, it has. I love old stuff. Like, every everything just used to be so much better, like, mm-hmm. the way, like, solid wood and, like people like it's amazing to me like i always wonder like logging back in the day across like i think about how long it takes me to cut down a tree and chop it even to even the firewood not even like like when i got my sawmill done it was a manual mill but it's not like a lot more advanced than the mills used to be so Mm -hmm. cutting down a tree bringing it by horse getting it up on the mill stacking it moving it to new york city and like building stuff like that like it's so crazy like all the even the most amazing thing to me is like people who used to clear land back in the day.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like we, our first year, I guess we sort of cleared like the pioneers. Like we didn't have a tractor to use or like anything like that. And like it's it's so much work. Like just burning brush. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they used to get stumps out back in the day. That is what amazes me the most because stumps are so hard to get out.
1: I wonder if it was burning. Uh, So one thing I've learned, because I'm, like I mentioned, a huge local history nerd, one of the only ways that uh, people were able to get cash in the early frontier days, in this area at least, was what they called potash. So they would burn trees. They would clear land, not even necessarily for agricultural purposes, but to get the ash, which they would... potash. Yeah. (laughs) What is is potash? So potash, it's used to make lime. Ah. So it would be for soap, for candles, for all these various things, and... My understanding is it just so happened that, like, in this area, this area was first settled in the very early 1800s. At that point, you know, the motherland, the, the UK, they didn't have any forest lands to clear anymore, so they didn't have access to the amount of ashes that, that weeded. So you'll see on maps for local communities, asheries, and that's where they would collect the community's ashes. They'd put it in barrels, and they'd ship it, in, in our case, you know, to Montreal, where it would be processed, uh, there are different levels of potash. It was a pretty intricate thing. So, for people to pay their mortgage or their taxes in the early days, most often the income that they used to do that came from potash. So, is it just like is it is any ash potash? I think it's based on the lime content. So, is there like? I believe, like, maple, oak, harder woods are more indicative of, like, high-quality potash. Like, if you just went out and burnt a bunch of white pine, you wouldn't get nearly yeah. as much.
0: I guess that makes sense because they have coal. Like, they make
1: the most coals and stuff, mm-hmm. so I guess that probably has something to do with. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So there was all sorts of practical uses to to that. And you were saying, you know, appreciating the craftsmanship, you know, it's one thing you you think you mill your own wood. You've got boards ready to go, but you can't just go to Lowe's and pick up uh, a, a drill or even screws, you'd have to go get your flathead nails from your local blacksmith who yeah. was specialized in primarily one thing. and Yeah, it just made nails all day. But you think about the level of How craftsmanship. Stuff. Exactly, exactly. When we redid the uh, plank floors out in the main house, we bought uh, uh, cut square nails I saw, yeah, the square from like, nails. the largest or the, the longest uh, running uh, blacksmith's shop in, in the country. Like, it has all these cool, really cool things. But we wanted to keep... You know the the ode to the folks who were here originally. Unfortunately, the floor was a little bit too far gone. They'd cut too many holes in it and patched here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. So we had to go. We got all new rough cut pine. We planed it ourselves. We cut it ourselves. We laid it. We put the, the square nails in, which took a long time.
0: Do they go in different, or it's just not? Probably doesn't drive as smooth as a regular. No, it nail. doesn't
1: drive as smooth. They're much more likely to shatter. Um, it, they bend. I would say probably a little bit easier because we wanted to do the thinner ones you could get gigantic square nails but we didn't need you know you don't need five inches exactly exactly so uh, they would bend if you hit it just improperly much more easily than a a standard steel nail or something like that but it was worth it i I don't regret that at all
0: yeah i always feel like in the end you always want to take the shortcut but it's always so much better Mm -hmm. so much more i got to work on my fancy words, not say so much better. So much more rewarding (laughs) than just using, like, just going the simple Mm -hmm. way or taking the shortcut. Like, even, like, I'm sure if you were like, let's not put in the engineered beams. Let's just, you know, it's been going for this far. And then, oh, well, we want to put a bathroom in upstairs. Oh, you can't put a tub
1: on that. Or even worse, the tub would come through the floor or something. Yeah, and there goes the beautiful kitchen. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, And there are things where I did take the shortcut. Where it bothers the heck out of me now. Like there are a few cuts on the floor that I remember thinking, I'm never gonna even look at this. I'll everything it's, time you it's walk a little crooked. Now. now I'm like, damn it, why did I do that? I should have just and now to go in there and fix it would be nearly impossible. Uh, but took that shortcut, lesson learned. Yeah. It wasn't
0: worth it. Yeah, I mean it's there's a bunch of back to like craftsmen too, like I always I really want a real samurai sword. I know my homeboy Joe Rogan has mm-hmm. like a legit one from like I don't even know if it's the 1400s or, like, but, like... long ago. It's crazy. Every mm-hmm. well, When you think about it, everything used to be... Like, I guess, technically, everything is sort of handmade. I guess there's robots and stuff, but... Things are still handmade, but, like, the craftsmanship that used to go into, like, woodworking and it wasn't, mm-hmm. like... They didn't have a planer. They used... I don't know what you call it, but, like, the... the sh- oh,
1: yes, 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 I know what you're talking about.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> but just, like, doing that and the whole building, like... They didn't have just everything, like even they yeah. didn't have tractors, even like trucks. Like like when we move our lumber is like it's not far away from the house. It's like two hundred feet or something, but mm-hmm. we just throw it in the pickup and drive on the road and drop it off here. Versus yep. like horsepower, steam, steam power. That's what built America. It's crazy. Yeah,
1: I think of all the and you know this craft still exists today, but of the old school crafts, masonry, I appreciate the most. There's nothing like a beautiful old stone home. And the character and the cut stone, um, the, the mercantile building next door, that the stables. So from the river, it's it's a three-story building, and that first story, which is built into the hill, is beautiful cut limestone right from the river out here. If I could make a good living and go into any other field, I would love to have my own quarry, like a bunch of quarries in this area, because St. Lawrence County has such diverse geology. Huh. We've got the red sandstone in Potsdam. We've got Governor Marble. We've got the limestone here in Madrid. Uh, we've got uh, granite and ice in the southern portion of the county up in the Adirondack foothills. Um, when, when you go uh, to Parliament in Canada, the red sandstone you see in their buildings comes from Potsdam. When you go to all these big cities, the marble that you see in the structure itself comes from Governor. I'm like, if I won a few million dollars, I'd open up a few old quarries and I'd just build high quality structures again. Not this, I, I see fake stone on buildings and like veneer stone, and I'm just like, Ugh, gross. Yeah. If, if I had a million dollars, that's what we I We had. Do.
0: I'm from downstate, from Rockland County, and Havistraw used to be the brick capital of the world. Oh, cool. Like, all the buildings in New York City, they're red, like they're red brick everywhere, because we were right by the mouth of the Hudson, so you can get to the ocean and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, all big New York City buildings, like, a lot of them still say, like, Havistraw brick or whatever on it. So, I guess everything was like that back in the day, really. Mm-hmm. Like, it's crazy how... And that's why waterways are all built up because you used to just take stuff on, on water. Yep. I was at a rotary meeting and I didn't I didn't know this, but the waterways used to be horse drawn. Like the uh what's the man made waterway called? Like um here at canal? Yeah, the, like canals. I had the no tugboats. Yeah. And it makes sense now. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> I couldn't imagine that. Like the whole most of the US was built like that. Like even the structures we're still in today.
1: Like, mm-hmm. it's so cool. Well, and just so that we're right on the Grass River here, and they we were talking about uh, sawmills and whatnot. There was a sawmill a few hundred feet from here. They would float the logs down uh, from up in the mountains, and the ones... I guess they had some system of marking the logs, so the sawmill would know which ones to bring in, which ones... Which one isn't theirs? Like, which one... Yeah, and uh, they, would, they would tie these logs together in these large rafts in the St. Lawrence River and float all the way down to Montreal, which I guess would have been a big hub for... Milling yeah. and whatnot, but to imagine how dangerous that would have been, especially they had to do that when the, the water was high. So that's freezing cold water in the spring, and these log rafts were large enough that they had structures on the rafts. Uh, probably like ice fishing huts, but even so,
0: yeah, I guess you, I guess whoever did that like lived on it for a little while. And took over
1: rapids in those
0: things, oh god, what a nightmare! <laughs> I've seen that on the Alaska show, one of those Alaskan shows mm-hmm. where they had to, I think they had to move like a jeep or something, but they literally just tied together a bunch of logs parked it on it and they were good Mm -hmm. on those shows they always make it like dramatic or something so they were like oh no is it gonna go in but nothing ever happens i wish they just made those shows like not i guess you got to make them a little dramatic
1: and they stir the pot and get the people disliking yeah it's like
0: oh i can't believe brett did
1: that but it's like a train wreck you can't look away yeah it's like that was my fox line he knew he knew that was my sacred trapping grounds and i'm always like the gold mining ones when they'll dig a new pit i'm like come on Please let there be gold there. Let yeah. there be gold there. They're
0: like, oh no, we, we spent $3 million and not even a flake. And they're like, wait, what, what does Jimmy have? Oh, we're rich.
1: And those <laughs> damn machines always breaking. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, you sure you want to get in the quarry business? <sighs> well, if I had a few million dollars, yeah. How did they used to cut limestone and stuff? That's a good question. I don't know. And I would love to know. If, if I by. could just go apprentice uh, an old school mason, I would be like happy as a clam in high tide. I think that'd be so fun. It's probably Lucas...
0: Lucas had his house worked on 1806 stone house on YouTube and uh by I think he was a pretty legit mason like he took he took some of the rocks out and stuff mm-hmm. and
1: so and most of the stone houses in the area were built with stone from a local quarry too. Yeah. And the one thing that I'd think of, you know, just digging a hole in the backyard, the water table is so low. How would they have pumped the water out? What primitive sort of pumping measures would they have had to keep their quarries Dry. I have so many questions. I would love see why yeah, I think it's yeah. it's fascinating how they would have done that. And some of the oldest houses in this area are stone. So in an era where you know you you read the history of these communities, it's like log cabin, log cabin, log cabin, stone house. So they didn't yet have the technology to build frame houses, but they had it to build stone.
0: Were the ballers building with stone? Like was that like what the rich people did back in the day?
1: I think to some extent it depended not only on status but on. Um, I guess where you are. Not, not necessarily ethnicity, but in, in Madrid and Waddington, it was a Scotch. When they came, they were Masons. So I don't Damn know if... Scotsman. Yeah, yeah. Drinking, being a Mason. I, I guess so. I guess so. Huh. But, uh, and it's funny, the, the family that lives in, there's one road here in town that has like five beautiful stone houses out in the country, and the same family has lived in those houses for almost 200 years. Like, not necessarily direct lineage, but that... The Fisher's, their last name. Yeah, it's like Fisher House number one, Fisher House number two. And I think there was something so special about that. Go
0: talk to the grandpa; there probably knows mason work. They'll I mean, take an apprentice on. Yeah, I would have so much fun with that. I really would. We did a little stone work, but you wouldn't like it. It was the fake stone. Yeah, I can't. I'd cry a little inside. <laughs> yeah, like, no, don't do well, that. Well, now they literally have ones where it's like, it's like a piece of uh, plywood that has the stone already built onto it that you oh, just yeah. screw in.
1: Hmm. It wasn't like that though. We wouldn't do that to you. I cry on the inside, and I have to vent a little bit about something local. So Potsdam is known for their sandstone. Beautiful, beautiful sandstone. It's red. I guess it's because of high iron content in the, the sandstone. They just built these beautiful new signs, welcome to Potsdam, and they put fake freaking sandstone on the signs. I'm <laughs> like, I'm about to go dig a hole and dig up some sandstone for you, rip this crap off and start over again. I can't, I just, every time I drive by the sign, it's like, I want to gouge my eyeballs out, but. Probably be it for me. Not my town. Not my town. Yeah, but I'm sure the
0: town probably owns some quarries or someone would have
1: donated it. I don't know. And it's just painful to look at. But maybe yeah. that's my hey, snobbish perfectionism. Hey, you can appreciate the craftsman, the craftsman work and yep. stuff. So it's like... That's that's and I give props to Clarkson because they just built a new sign too at like the exact same time. These signs are still both under construction. Clarkson used real sandstone. We got that
0: Clarkson money though. the yeah. town of Potsdam. <laughs> homie. Well, they should donate some of their freaking sandstone. Yeah. Cause this get some of those
1: engineers to go figure out how to get it for yeah, free. Yeah, no kidding. Oh my gosh. But I guess they're a bigger fish to fry.
0: Yeah, eh, it's not bad though. You could now. I want to build some. I want to build uh, one of my. My sister used to live and in... she still lives in North Carolina, but a guy on her. She rented from a guy on his, his property. He built like a like a sweat hut basically all out mm-hmm. of stone. And we have, we have some pretty cool old stone walls in the back of our property. Like there's oh, one, cool. the pine is two people can hug around it. I call that oh, wow. my spirit tree. Mm-hmm. And it's grown into a rock wall, like through it. So it has to be like, I don't know the growth rates of pine, but it has to be at least like 100, probably 100 years old, right? Mm-hmm. Like if it's like... Two people can just touch hands around it. So that was there because mine used to be all farming land. Hmm. And like there's really nice stone walls, honestly, throughout. We only have like one on our property, one on the front. But like in the woods all over, there's massive rock walls. That'd be like that's somebody's family's whole life, like Mm -hmm. clearing 100 acres of stone. I think people used to be so jacked in the day. And their
1: backs probably hurt real bad. No, they probably... Such calloused hands.
0: Well, they probably didn't... I feel like backs hurt now because you sit at a desk and sit mm, at a computer. Like, true. people... Like, uh, I know, like, Native... Not Native, like, American, but, like... Uh, I watch some of those fishing shows where they're like... Let's say, like, the Philippines mm-hmm. or something. When people hang out, they just, like take like a deep squat and like none of their backs hurt like they're hmm. they're super flexible like that's what you're supposed well, to be you doing you probably
1: have a lot more muscle around your your bones yeah To the um yeah that's interesting i guess i wouldn't have thought of that but and, and think of the dual utility of those old stone walls you know you're getting the rocks out of your fields so that you can have more successful crop yields but if you decide to use it as pasture it's also a fence to keep your animals in mm-hmm. um, so that
0: i heard of a guy you would like this business he goes and buys old like he'll go into like into madrid for mm-hmm. madrid for example and he'll just talk to a farmer and be like i'll buy your stone wall for three grand like a few hundred he brings it to boston to philadelphia and oh. sells it for bank and it's literally just has like a dump truck and guys who
1: throw it throw it on mm-hmm. so that'd be a oh i would love to do that i would i could build stone walls all day long the uh the thing i would love to build this is on my bucket list I want to do. Uh, I want to make my own prosciutto someday, mm-hmm. and I want to have a stone smokehouse. Yeah. from limestone that I cut myself. You got to figure out how to cut it. First. Yeah, no kidding. I got to. Well, I got to buy a piece of land that has uh, rocks near the surface, and there's a bunch of that um, in the area. I know some areas where the, the limestone is peeking through the ground. So I'm like, okay, if that ever comes for sale, I'm going to buy that. You
0: could probably get. I'm sure they probably go for auction every now and then. People, because I'm sure you need equipment to really make money off the limestone. But if you just, I wonder what you cut it with.
1: I heard once upon a time that it was like string with sand. It's like a slow process.
0: Eh, I wonder what kind of string though. It must be like steel or something like that. Like
1: I don't know because they wouldn't have had like diamond wire back in the day. Yeah, they I wouldn't know. think. Um, now I'm gonna have to look this up and figure it out. Yeah, we're gonna figure it out. It's funny though. The- I I thought I did successfully look this up. I went to an auction and I bought this six volume um, history of masonry. It was stone masonry like freemasons i'm like well interesting but not what i was looking for (laughs) what are the freemasons um it's like a fraternal organization um kind of like rotary but they have more More secret secret society and i think you know don't quote me on this i think there was a religious element to it at one point like it was maybe rooted in scotland so it was the protestants whereas the knights of columbus were like the catholic version of the freemasons Uh, and there were other, uh, actually, on the other side of that wall, I have um, Odd Fellows from Madrid when it was Columbia Village, um, and that's 1847. That goes back quite a way. So there were all sorts of different uh, fraternal organizations. Yeah. Um, but I, I, that's what I think Freemasonry is based in. And
0: they're they they're called like Masonic lot or Masonic lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's
1: one sorta near
0: me, and they have a Facebook, and there's just like some of the most beautiful beards I've ever seen. Like just big button chops just like just dudes standing with swords i'm like i should i should look into that because one of my buddies and he's like yeah dude you just got to check it out so i'm like ooh, is that Mm
1: -hmm. is that really that secret like well there's a documentary on netflix you can watch they'll let you watch up to a certain point of like the initiation there are things they won't show you but there are things they will show you it's pretty interesting uh nick has watched that and i fall asleep Uh, but i'm a grandpa and fall asleep pretty early anyway so don't blame the documentary yeah huh Eh, Rotary's good enough for me now Probably done right pretty time consuming too Yeah
0: Well you might You get a sword though So there's what In my, rotary? No not oh, in rotary like, oh. Whoa way more badass <laughs> yeah. than I thought No we get a pin That's about it Masons have badass badass swords Someone mm-hmm. I know they have a mace, Like a Freemason sword in their family And they want to like Go and be like Yo let me in Because I got this
1: I got my grandpa's sword hmm. Uh, Grand Lodge master or something. Yeah, yeah, it's one of
0: those, like, yeah. there's different levels of swords, and this is, mm-hmm. like, this is the sword. Hmm. I'm surprised I didn't try and take it back when he passed away or something. Like, we need that sword back. I don't know, maybe you own it for life.
1: Could be, could be.
0: What's the coolest, like, antique... What's the...
1: What's the most interesting antique you've come across? Like... One that I wish I wouldn't have sold. <sighs> I kick myself, and I know who has it, and a part of me says I should try to buy it back. So... I'm gonna delve way too deep into this. No history dive here. Literally dive so deep. So the the Native Americans owned, obviously, all of New York State at one point. But even into the like late 1700s, just post Revolutionary, um, the the Iroquois nations owned what is now like the North Country. Uh, George Washington appointed a fellow named Abraham Ogden to be the negotiator for a treaty to get back or to get all of that land to have the natives relinquish their title to it. So Abraham Ogden negotiates on behalf of the U.S. Isaac Ogden, his nephew, negotiates on behalf of New York State. He's the Attorney General for the state of New York, and I think Abraham was the Attorney General for New Jersey. so they come in negotiate with the Native Americans a deal to effectively buy the land for nothing. Yeah so shortly after Abraham negotiates this treaty on behalf of the country, he buys a bunch of the land. For himself Uh, Samuel Ogden Who I think would be uh, Maybe a brother or a nephew To Abraham He's Ogdensburg Which is uh, the only city in St. Lawrence County Is named for him He was kind of separate He never lived in St. Lawrence County But Abraham and his two sons And a son-in-law bought Madrid For $60,000 In uh, Whatever money yeah, I, I want to say it was, like, eighteen hundred, eighteen oh two. The town was formed in 1802, but they bought it before that. So it was a 10-mile square. So if I'm drawing a, kind of a map of St. Lawrence County, which that is... doesn't even seem like a good
0: deal for back then.
1: 10 miles for 60 grand? 10 miles squared, and a lot of it was St. Lawrence River Waterfront. So uh-huh. uh, this is St. Lawrence County. Weird angle. The original 10 towns were all roughly 10 by 10. So they bought Madrid and pieces of other towns, but... They bought all of Madrid entirely. At that point, Madrid and Waddington were one town. The two big brothers, so Abraham was the father. He died pretty soon after he bought it. His two sons, Governor and David, actually were engaged in settling the land. David lived here part-time. Governor lived here pretty much full-time from almost the beginning of the town's founding, but in what is now Waddington and the St. Lawrence. Uh, there is a diary at the county historical association that i'm writing my quarterly piece on the quarterly is the county historical association's quarterly publication Um, her name is charlotte seaton ogden and she wrote a diary she was married to governor about madrid as it was being settled and as the ogden family was recruiting people to come in here to buy these parcels excuse me so governor lived in a very beautiful mansion on the mainland and David, his brother, lived in a stone mansion on the island, which is still called Ogden Island. The building on the mainland was called Ellerslie. It burnt in the 1840s, and those Ogdens went broke and moved to Troy, New York. David died in 1829. His wife, Rebecca, uh, lived for quite some time longer. One of the other brothers got the property. The property was bought by the Crapsers. They were another big uh, local family. And then when the seaway was constructed, they I believe they thought the island was going to be underwater. So they tore down um, the main island house, which was a beautiful stone mansion. Oh, my God. If a if billion dollars fell from the sky right now, I would build a replica of this house. It was stunning. So there was the island house. There were multiple stone barns. The idea of a stone barn like gives me chills. I would love to see that. Um, and the interesting, interesting thing about the Ogdens Were not only were they very rich were they? By whole,
0: stone barn do you mean like What you have like a stone foundation no, Or is the whole thing stone The
1: whole thing And um, I think his name was Joseph Jacques Rame He de- designed Union College All the beautiful buildings there He was the Ogdens architect So he built this beautiful stone mansion He built Ellerslie He built the parish mansion which still stands in Ogdensburg That's where the Remington Art Museum is um, I mean he was a remarkable architect So the the interesting thing about the Ogdens is they were slaveholders. When I think of slave ownership, I don't think of St. Lawrence County, virtually Canada, I think of the South. The Ogdens had a bunch of slaves, and they kept them up until the very last minute. I found the diary article where Charlotte says, um, father sold the two blacks for $200. What a great deal, essentially. Um, And you read this, and you've You can't read somebody's diary for two decades without feeling some sort of attachment to that person. Like, you you feel you know them to some extent. And then you read something so dehumanizing, it's a weird, like, jarring feeling. Yeah. And there's all sorts of speculation that the Ogdens were involved in the Underground Railroad. Maybe... But based on the evidence I'm seeing now, if if these people were altruistic and they thought that slavery was wrong, why did they keep their slaves up until 1827, the last minute you could have them in New York State?
0: Well, some people would, I believe, like... There's weird laws about if you, like if the slave got out of the land like he Mm -hmm. was free whereas they would still like you wouldn't just take ownership you have to bring him back to the original yeah before the fugitive slave land yeah yeah stuff like that
1: yes and this would have been long before that i think new york state was one of the first to do the gradual emancipation Um, but anyway i had a a beautiful beautiful piece it was a a sideboard banquet for a, a full dining room one of the most stunning pieces i've ever owned and it came from the ogden island mansion the one that was torn down what is that what is what the, the sideboard? Um, it's like um, you'd have it in your dining room, and you'd put your um, not a china cabinet, but you'd put your your dishes in it, and it has a flat top. It's probably a little higher than waist high. Has drawers and cupboards in it. Yeah, yeah, you keep yeah. just absolutely freaking beautiful. This piece was stunning. And I had just, it was just as I was getting into antique buying and selling, I had a really good offer on it. I was like, okay, sure, I'll sell it. I hadn't yet become attached to the Ogden family. Now that I'm doing all this research on them and I feel like some level of connection to these people that I'm like reading their letters and diaries all day. I'm like, damn it, why did I sell that? That was stupid. I'm never going to get something like that again. But I I do know who has it now. So I'm thinking someday I'll be like... If you ever wanted to sell that back, I'll buy it for twice what you paid yeah, for then I'll
0: it. they'll be like, you know, they were slave owners, right? You don't want yeah, that. Yeah, it probably has bad juju. You don't want it. Yeah, that.
1: but it's amazing the number of people in Waddington. So that's the town just north of Madrid, which was part of the original Madrid. The number of people who also feel that level of connection to the mansion because it was such a focal point in the community, and people were so upset when it was torn down, and when you know various other houses were torn down. The number of people who have a piece of the mansion in their house. Like, I know somebody who has this, the banister to the stairs in a newer house. It was built in, I don't know, the 60s. And the fellow who built the house took the banister out of the mansion before it was torn down and put the original 1816 banister yeah, in his... Yeah, so it st- still lives on. Yeah. And Nick and I went over to the island. We kayaked over. Quite an adventure. Um, I'm used to kayaking on the little grass river. No big deal. Well, the St. Lawrence is a different beast. Yeah. Very high current. The, the waves from shore didn't look too bad I was like oh we'll be fine We don't need a life jacket I'm cocky This will Always be totally fine. Like jacket. It is the first and only time in a kayak I've ever truly been terrified I was like we might flip and die This, this was not How good. far of a, like a ride over is it? Mm, probably a quarter mile But in, So the, the thing that made it worse Was the current is going let's say um, West to east because the river at that point is pretty much along that line, the the current's going west to east, but the wind is coming east to west. So you're being pulled this way by the <laughs> current, but the waves are going this way. And and from crest to whatever the I don't know the bottom of the crest, bottom of the wave, yeah, <laughs> four, five, six feet waves. Like these were not tiny yeah, waves, waves at all. Yeah, and I'm like, holy Christ, I'm not gonna make it. I'm like, well. Of all places to die, I'm going to die on Ogden Island. Here we go. So we got over to the island, and we found, because the the water in the St. Lawrence was so low at this point in the summer, we found uh, the old stone fences from where their pastures were. And then the most interesting thing we found on the island was the old cemetery. And when I found it, I wasn't sure it was a cemetery. It was kind of a theory. It was, I don't know, maybe 30 by 30, cobblestone, stone fence. And then there were three or four cut limestone square blocks and one cut sandstone. Like, not the headstone itself, but the stone that the headstone would sit on. So I'm like, this looks like a cemetery to me. Put on your research hat when you get back and figure out if there was. Come to find out there was a cemetery there. And we are told the cemetery was moved when they did the seaway. What I have been told anecdotally is, they moved the stones yeah i was going to say that but by, the bodies are still there yeah i doubt they would exhume the bodies cuz they probably there's probably nothing left within that old i don't know i guess it depends um so the, the not the headstones themselves but these the line, I the, guess the, the stones that the headstones pieces? sit on for some of the family is still there david the the one who built the the mansion and his wife rebecca are in a vault on the main mainland and they, they say, quote-unquote, that they move the rest of the Ogden bodies to the vault. Uh, I take that with a grain of salt because the kids who were alive in the 60s and who used to play on the island say that the ground was never disturbed in the cemetery. Uh, so, mystery. I'd love to get one of those, like, echo cardiogram sort of things you put on the ground and yeah, find so the depressions in you... the ground to see. Um, but we, we found some cool pieces of pottery. I have them in the other room there. Uh, I'd love to go back with the metal detector and see what we could find for... Um, yeah, so the, the Ogdens I've I've found to be very fascinating and owning that piece was so cool in retrospect. I didn't appreciate it at the time, but now I'm like I'm
0: sure something will come uh, back up again for it. I hope. Probably I not hope. that cool though, honestly. No, no,
1: <laughs> probably not. But <laughs> the one that got away. Exactly. And that will be the one that got away.
0: Don't let that walnut desk go away.
1: Yeah, I'm not gonna no that's damn with me.
0: Yeah, I wanna get in I don't I'm not an antiquer, but I'm a big Craigslister. But antique and it seems like fun going to auctions. Like I watch the shows every now and then and I know I would just, I just want to go with a stack of cash I don't worry about.
1: Mm-hmm. That's probably the hardest part. Like not try not buying everything. You got to be smart, like a business yep. owner. And which things, you know, based on previous sales, do you think you could turn around to profit on relatively quickly? Um, what's your best, what's your best profit? What was your best flip? I bought. And by uh,
0: percentage, it doesn't have to be like I made a hundred dollars. Well, be...
1: it, it would be both actually. Um, I bought a Chippendale desk. It was stunning. It was mahogany. It was old, like probably late 1700s, early 1800s. The dovetailing was, oh, stunning. It was the narrowest dovetailing I've ever seen. So beautiful. It had stunning brass fixtures on it. It it was easily one of, in, just in terms of the craftsmanship, just most immaculate pieces, and it was in such good shape. It was the original finish. Um, I bought it for 500 I bought it on a Saturday for 500 and I sold it. Tuesday for 1500 And that was a steal to the person I sold it to because the same exact chair, or not chair, the same exact desk online were going for $4,000. But to me, I was like, $1,000 profit? I don't need to be greedy. That's plenty. Yeah. And it was such a rush because I was like, I just bought this two days ago and I just made $1,000 on this. How cool is that? And that was before I really was even into this. I That was just a hobby. Um, I threw it up on Facebook. Um, so it, it was a, f- a few of the early things like that that really got me into it yeah i was like i think i can do this maybe i do have an eye for this kind of stuff um yeah i would say that, that was one of the very first antique pieces i bought myself period uh so that was a fun experience
0: have you ever thought like oh man this is the this is the lost ark this is the
1: like something amazing like that and then it turns out to be a dud or well mm, i guess it's subjective i bought uh a signed portrait of um, Senator Edward Edward Everett, who he was the president of Harvard, he was the governor of Massachusetts, he was the senator from U.S. senator from Massachusetts, all these you know important dignified things, and he would Lincoln chose him to be the speaker before himself at the Gettysburg Address. So he has a... Oh, there it is right there. I thought it was um, still in the barn <laughs> next door. So it's signed by him. It has the Providence letter on the back, like, showing, like, it went from this owner to this owner to this owner. Um, I thought, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be able to sell that. Somebody who loves Harvard or who loves Massachusetts history, they're going to buy that up in a heartbeat. Well, I've had that for two years and no bites. <laughs> so... And I didn't spend a ton of money on it, but I, I put myself... Where well, you think, like, there's going to be so many buyers for this, I'm gonna gonna not even going to know what to do. There's not necessarily like, so many, but... It, If I found online a signed portrait of an early governor of New York State, like, I'm a huge nerd. If I found Governor Tilden's signed portrait, I'd be like, oh, my God, I need to buy this immediately, even for a few hundred dollars. I would probably spend a little bit more than I need to. In Massachusetts, being older and in some ways more historic than New York State, I was like, oh, cool, and plus the connection to Lincoln. Oh, this is going to sell. No, a whole lot of nothing. So (laughs) there he sits on my wall, Senator Everett. Still nice. Still yeah. nice portrait. Yeah, it fits with the mojo here. I've got Senator Everett. I've got Teddy Roosevelt, George Washington. The classics. I've got Lincoln somewhere here. Um, yeah, the classics.
0: I love Teddy. Thank Me you. Too. Thank you for all the land, Teddy, that we get to hunt on and enjoy.
1: Yeah, he is an interesting figure because he did so much good, but he was also like a warmonger and a nationalist and like... Emotionally erratic, and in a lot of ways, what's some interesting stories about him that I wouldn't know?
0: He was big into like African hunting, right? Was that yeah? Yeah,
1: So um, I think it was in between. So when he left the presidency, he went to Africa hunting, and then his chosen successor Taft took over, and he thought Taft was a disaster, and came back and ran against his his vice president and his chosen successor. I think the most interesting story about. Tr and it's sad, um, but but it humanizes and kind of rationalizes his behavior to some extent. He was elected to the assembly at 23 years old. He was in Albany and received a telegram saying, "Your pregnant wife is sick. You need to come home." And maybe, or maybe it was—I think it was his his wife first. He got home and he discovered that his wife and his mother were both like on their deathbed. And within a 24-hour period, I mean, fortunately, he was able to get home in time. Within a 24-hour period, his first wife and his mother died in the same house.
0: Was it related?
1: Uh, yeah, she the it definitely was the um, uh, wife who got sick first because the um, TR's mother was taking care of her daughter-in-law and contracted. I can't remember what the illness was, but she got it and yeah, they both perished very quickly. Um, I think her name was... Alice, the, the, um, wife, but it really screwed him up. And essentially he put his, his daughter up for adoption and, uh, he went out, he went out West, uh, lived on the, the ranches and, uh, said something to the effect of, he had to ride, I forget how many miles, but, uh, to escape his depression and to escape, escape his sadness he needed to ride uh, a certain amount uh, on, on his ranch on a regular basis. Um, one other story that I think is kind of interesting about about Teddy Roosevelt, um, he wrote a multitude of books, um, and one he wrote was about uh, his experience in a war in Cuba, and one critic wrote, I forget what the title of the book was, um but essentially, he talked about himself so much in the book that the, the critic said you should have named the book like Alone in Cuba because uh, he made it all about himself. And rather than being thin-skinned and upset about the, the bad review he got on that book from, from that one person, uh, he communicated to the, the person, you know, I, I regret to inform you that my family was most amused by your review, um, some, and as compensation for what you said about me, i've really liked you for a long time i'd like to meet you so y- you think about the the thin-skinned politicians we have nowadays who if they read something negative about themselves they'd tweet fake news or say the you know the media is the enemy of the free people whereas he was like my family got a kick out of your review and you know i've liked the stuff you published before so i'd like to meet you and i'm like that's i wish we had more of that nowadays.
0: yeah it's just ballsy i like mm-hmm. yeah like whenever we have that a lot like just say it say it to someone's face if you have a problem with them. Like. Mm-hmm. It, so many less problems and so much because a lot of times when that happens if you talk it out you but oh no no and then you, your buddies after mm-hmm. like that's why i'm like pro fighting like if you have a problem with someone like work it out you're normally mm-hmm. better friends after like yep. it's not probably not a popular opinion but pro I think, fighting
1: i was gonna say teddy roosevelt used to have uh, uh boxing matches in the basement of the governor's mansion in albany that's awesome yep yep
0: that's what that's what they used to do, do back in the day mm-hmm. i want to learn more about him i want to That's on my reading list. I think he has some pretty cool it biographies that someone wrote about you, right?
1: Yes, Otto is, but it's yourself. Otto, yeah. You should read uh, Doris Kearns Goodwin's um, The Bully Pulpit. It's about he and Taft. Um, It can be dry in parts if you don't necessarily care about media history, but the book itself is really fascinating and and it documents pretty well the progression of not only Taft and Roosevelt individually, but their relationship and how it went from being great to being terrible to some level of reconciliation before TR died. And it, it's kind of a beautiful story.
0: What do you think the most impactful book that you've ever read is or interesting or something that you just.
1: Well, um, the book that probably changed my trajectory the most was Ronald Reagan's An American life because it made me a Republican Uh, I say that now as a, I don't even know what the hell I am, because I don't know what the Republican Party stands for anymore. But I was doing a project on the Cold War my freshman year, and I was trying to go to Croatia. Uh, The professor who was teaching this course uh, was also doing the study abroad in Croatia. He's Croatian himself. And uh, you had to be, I think, a sophomore, but I was only a freshman, so I'm like, well, I'm going to impress him. I'm going to write this great paper. I'm going to do all this great stuff. And then he's going to let me go. So I read for that paper Ronald Reagan's entire autobiography, which is like 730 something pages in one weekend, which is <laughs> a lot of reading for somebody who's not used to doing quite that much. And I just, i I so profoundly connected with Reagan's personal story, his upbringing, uh, you know, living with an alcoholic parent. I really connected with that. Um, and then just his his conception of what America is, what it stands for, what policies are best for it, why he left the Democratic Party in the 50s and became a Republican and became a pretty darn conservative Republican for the day. Um, so I had registered to be a Democrat when I turned 18. My mom's family is very political and they're like the Democratic family in this area. Like Finnegan, Democrat, synonymous in this area. So I just, by virtue of genetics, was like, well, I'm a Democrat. And I read that book and I said, if Ronald Reagan believes this and Ronald Reagan is a Republican, then I am a Republican. And then I got so interested in conservative economics and yeah. I developed a huge fascination with Margaret Thatcher, who I identify with even more than Reagan. And I think her policies were better than Reagan's in a lot of ways. Um, so that book made me hyper interested in politics it made me a super engaged republican i got involved in campaigns all over the place i got involved in college republicans i got involved in the county republican committee now i'm not so thrilled with any of that but that that book so far i think has been in terms of just altering the trajectory of my life that that was it
0: yeah i wish it wasn't like i wish the party lines weren't like You have to agree with every single issue. Like, every issue is so nuanced and, like, you're never going to get through a whole issue with just, like, a news clip or a tweet or, like, one. Like, Mm -hmm. it's so, like, there's so many things where I'm liberal about. So many things where I'm—I guess I'm probably—I probably identify most with, like, libertarians. Mm -hmm. and Not, like, the hardcore ones who are like, we don't need roads, we don't need police, but Mm -hmm. more, like, you know, do— do you? Like the government, I think, is here to provide the basic services. I want like a small government that mm-hmm. doesn't reach their hands in everything. And like the free market, the free market's done pretty good so far. I mean, we're,
1: we got iPhones. I mean, I'm it's sure. lifted more people out of poverty than exactly. any ever before. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a pretty compelling system. That And I, I think that what you said is extremely common for our generation. So many people are socially liberal. We don't The government doesn't have any role in telling us how to live our personal lives but we also want a a fiscally responsible and limited financial side of the the government. The problem that I noticed was, A, I don't think the Republican Party is any worse than the Democratic Party about purity. It's like you have to be so far right or you have to be so far left to really be somebody that the party itself is going to support or Mm -hmm. help move forward. Uh, So the purity tests, I think, exist on both sides. My problem... With the Republican Party, especially as of late, well, aside from Trump and the awful things he says and I think believes, I joined the party primarily for economic reasons mm-hmm. and for personal liberty reasons and for their in- interpretation of the Constitution. What I have found is the Republican Party now controls every lever of government at the federal level. We have a larger deficit than we've had in many, many years the national debt is barreling toward $22 trillion. I had hoped that with this tax thing that they passed, which was half garbage, half good stuff, I had hoped that they would reform spending in such a way that, you know, you you look at your governmental budget as you have your revenues and you have your expenses. If you cut all your revenues but you leave your expenses high, common sense says your deficit and your debt is going to get far worse. And I thought we as Republicans... We're in in favor of responsible financial management and fiscal conservatism. And we preach that. I mean, when Democrats are in charge, oh, my God, they're spending us into oblivion. We're going into debt. This is terrible. Yeah. But it seems that Republicans have their pet projects that they want to spend all the money on and not actually pay for, and Democrats do, too. So where does a fiscal conservative actually find their home? I mean, people give Bill Clinton... The credit for the budget surplus in the the '90s and the early 2000s, but it was a mixture of Clinton and John Kasich as chair of the budget committee. Uh, so, sure, he was the president and he gets a lot of credit for it, but it was John Kasich who held his feet to the fire and said. We need to balance the budget. He
0: ran recently. He was in Georgia. 20- yeah, I worked He was on his the, only, campaign. the only one that, like, when he spoke and stuff, I was like, this guy makes so much more sense. Like, everything he stood for. What is he? He's from
1: Ohio. A- Ohio. He's the governor.
0: Didn't he do amazing with, like, everything in Ohio before? Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: And he's a phenomenal person. And one of the things I liked about Governor Kasich was the person you see on the stage, on the stump, is the same person you see on the bus. He's a genuinely kind person. His conception of what public service is and why you actually get engaged in politics. So inspiring. If the Republican Party looked more like John Kasich, I would still be an enthusiastic member rather than a I'm not sure how much longer I'm going to put up with this crap member yeah um he, he was such an inspiring figure and he wasn't perfect but you, you know we talk about purity i'm not going to agree with everything he says yeah there are there were social issues that he had views on that i'm like well you know he and i part company but we agree on nine-tenths of everything so yay um yeah he was he was outstanding he was great uh, great to work for came to syracuse my birthday while i was in grad school uh
0: like for you or just a coincidence?
1: So they were trying to pick dates of where they were going to do the town halls. And John Weaver, who was his chief strategist, who I was working pretty closely with at the time, I mentioned, I'm like, oh, you're going to be in New York. You know, my birthday's the 8th. And they came to Syracuse for my birthday. And he's like,
0: I got you, buddy. That's yeah. awesome. And it was pretty
1: cool. Uh, it was in Lemoyne's uh, gym where they had the big town hall. And I got awesome seats, which is really cool. I'll have a whole bunch of people like, I see you on TV. And I'm like, oh, I'm awesome. this is really cool. But Governor Kasich got there early and stayed late and we got to play basketball with him on the other side of the, and that guy, that guy was sinking three-pointers like you would not believe. (laughs) And he's not a tall person. He's got terrible posture. He's not somebody who's like jacked and in great shape. I couldn't believe his skills. He he was sinking them. No, well, I don't, I've never seen Obama play, but he was sinking three-pointers. And if there weren't witnesses, like you wouldn't believe it. We all of us when we left there we were like, can you believe it? we were like, screw the fact that he did a great job at his his town yeah, hall. Did we're you like, see that ball? Did you even see him sinking three pointers? I don't even like sports, and I'm impressed by that. Uh, so that was a, a really a great experience. Um, and he was helpful during my campaign. Uh, he was somebody I, I looked to for an example and for advice. Uh, I hope maybe in some perfect world he'll challenge the president in a primary. He, I don't think Kasich is somebody that can win in a Republican primary, so maybe he'd have to run as an independent. Um, time will tell, but he's certainly not shy about speaking his mind when the president goes up to la-la land, as he's wont to do.
0: Yeah, some things I like about Trump, and then some things I'm pretty confused about. It's, I don't know. I'm pretty—I'm honestly very naive and dumb when it comes to politics. Like, I don't. I don't—I haven't had cable in, like, six years. Like, I barely watch the news. It's pretty funny. I get almost all my news from Vice— which is like a pretty, but I like, like on Facebook, I have like, I like crazy liberal pages and crazy right-wing pages Mm -hmm. and then sort of see what, what the truth out of it all is. Cause it's so like, it's so hard. Like I would, is there, do you think there's any unbiased, like good news sources? Like,
1: No, I think you really have to find your own balance. Um, I listen to, I would say that the the people I listen to aren't just full of hot air on the left or the right. I'll listen to Vox's The Weeds podcast, which is really deep into policy. And I find that they they discuss politics at a higher level than just like he said, she said. They're like, this is the ins and out of the policy that that person is saying that they support. And this is a reason why you should or shouldn't believe it's even possible that this could be implemented. And they do it in an entertaining way. Um, so I, I like them. And on the on the right end of the spectrum i like the federalist um they've got some yahoo people on there once in a while but broadly speaking from a, a right of center perspective they are pretty measured and evidence based level-headed um but in terms of just a really truly unbiased source i think w- what you even choose to cover is a bias
0: yeah i guess everyone no matter what your bias because bias is basically what your life experience mm-hmm. was so there's no like that's why and what I you would, think is important. Yeah. Yeah. I always say like I judge, I just, I believe what I've seen with my own eyes. Like that's how I, that's why I look at politics almost like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'll go to the store and someone in front of me, will use an EBT card and then buy cigarettes and alcohol. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe that isn't like the best way to do it. But then I also like there's families who I don't see who that's all they can eat on. So it's Mm -hmm. so like there's no, and do you formulate public policy based on a few bad apples? exactly yeah because you mostly see the bad apples you don't Mm -hmm. see yeah it's like i don't know they're so it's so hard that's why i'm almost like not into politics that much because it's hard to like wrap my head around it and like all the stuff in the middle east and oh they don't like these people because of that and this because of that and Mm -hmm. what do you think is going to happen with the uh the saudi arabians how they how they got rid of that turkish guy
1: well, it seems the president's changing his tune on whether or not it was true or not. He seems to think it was true now, so I guess that's progress. Um, people in the Senate, even in the president's party, think that this with MBS, Mohammed bin, I, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, but the MBS for short, they think he's pretty bad news. Um, this, and that's the, whatever the uh, president The crown prince. Is. Yeah. Uh, the boss. Yeah, so he's apparently not good news but there have been measures of progress in Saudi Arabia recently women being able to drive then there are the things we don't hear a lot about that are from a humanitarian perspective absolutely terrible the the war in Yemen right now that Saudi Arabia is is perpetuating with the help of the United States that doesn't get barely any news coverage uh a humanitarian crisis like you wouldn't believe um so it, and it goes back to what we were just talking about with bias unfortunately so often the president when he says crazy things that gets the media attention they're not talking about the war in yemen and the real life consequences of our involvement in that it's not sexy it's not going to sell papers it's not going to generate readership people aren't going to be like sharing this on facebook but it's the people who are making the decisions about what to cover it's their view of what's important and what their motives are is it profit is it I really don't like the president, so I want to make him look bad. Or I do like the president, so I want to make him look yeah. good. But there are so many important stories tangential to what we hear about. I mean, it, it's horrible that this journalist, who was a United States resident, whose children are United States citizens, was allegedly chopped up with a bone saw in a, a, a Saudi consulate. That's just crazy that 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 that's happening. And you have to wonder. We have a president who says that the press is the enemy of the people. Are his words giving people not necessarily motivation, but they feel they can get away with it? You know, if we had a different president who really strongly believed in the free press, would he have stood up for the fact that this person was, you know, a member of the press, a Washington Post journalist? Uh, Would he have, you know, made a more uh, profound statement saying, like, this is... Unacceptable. We need a free press to have a free society, uh, and as a result of Saudi Arabia's behavior, you know, we're going to investigate this to make sure that this is what it looks like. But if it is, we're going to punish them substantially. This is not acceptable. Not only from a, this is a free press, but this person was a legal resident of the United States of America and should be protected by the government.
0: Yeah, because it's an attack on American citizen at the end of the day. Yeah, and what
1: message does it send to other? bad actors that they can get away with this now
0: yeah yeah it's it's so it's crazy like the i don't know the it's it sounds stupid but like all the stuff that goes on the world like it's so everything's so interconnected and there's so many different Mm -hmm. views and different different angles and who works for who and Mm -hmm. who's friends with who and it's pretty crazy honestly
1: it's like i don't know yeah and for every bad thing there's a good thing i mean the renegotiation of what was NAFTA with Mexico and Canada? Uh, you know, positive things that came out of that for the United States dairy uh, industry. Mm-hmm. Um, you you got to give the the president some some props there. That was an issue that he felt passionately about, and he got results. I don't have to like the guy to say that. Objectively, I think that was a, a good thing. And North and South Korea, like mm-hmm. what he's been doing
0: there, is awesome. Yep. Have you? Ever, did you ever listen to the podcast with Joe Rogan on North Korea? How great! I don't think so. Um, it's you would love it. It's like. The guy, I don't know why he just loves North Korea so much. Like, he's wrote, like, multiple books on it. Not Dennis Rodman, is it? (laughs) What a wild world we live in. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Oh, man. Dennis Rodman needs to make a movie about him and Kim Jong. Yeah. But, like, in, in North Korea, they have, like... You have to report, and it's almost like a tattletale circle where you have to tell on someone else that they did something bad, or you're also culpable. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you saw the video of the guy trying to run away from North Korea. Like that was a crazy video, and he had um,
1: like not uh, like tapeworms and mm-hmm. like it's crazy malnourishment and just ugh.
0: I got lucky where I got born. That's what it oh. comes
1: down to. But by the grace of God, we are so 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 lucky to to be Americans. I mean is it a, a a great time for our government? No, not really, but we've been through worse and we'll make it through this too.
0: Yeah, that's what I always like I almost feel like have like you know, I'm privileged. I'm a white guy from a middle-class America, so like I almost feel like don't don't blame the government for stuff and also don't think that they're going to save you. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm a big believer in you know, you you're going to get out of life what you put into it. But then I also realize like you know my my parent like i never I never had the lights go out. I always mm-hmm. got to like my mom fed me all the time when I was younger, and like I've been getting soft in my old age of sort of like thinking like, oh, just pull yours like some people are just born, and like a wire in their brain doesn't work, and like what what's gonna happen to them they can't mm-hmm. if you can't like today at uh, the craft and food show like some somebody had like a mental mental problem and like just being wheelchaired around and I'm like that could that could have been me like it's yeah. So I've been trying to, like, check my privilege lately and realize, like, part of it is, yeah, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Or locking yourself out. out of the car and being able to break into your car without... <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I'm glad that I got some of those uh, metal clothes hangers. Yes. And that Sarah's Sarah's car is pretty simple to break into.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't advertise that, but... Yeah.
0: <laughs> if you want to steal an old, old Corolla, go for it. <laughs> I Like ours. Hope you have good insurance. Yeah, I think we do. I don't know. But, yeah, it's like... Some of my worldviews have changed with that, like, just realizing that I am lucky and, like, I should do as much good for the world as I can. Mm -hmm. And then also, like, if someone's lazy and able-bodied, though, like, I do mortgages for people sometimes who make all their money from, like, the government and stuff, and they get to build a house, and it's Mm -hmm. just like, wow, that's crazy, but I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know about them. I don't know what they've been through or what happened to them, so it's, like, it's tough. I've I've been, like, uh, I feel like podcasts almost make me, like, intro- inter introspective introspective Mm -hmm. yeah and just sort of like thinking just thinking a lot more like i feel like consuming content that makes you think and makes you think not almost on a on like a larger scale like thinking about more issues than
1: just what's in front of you has like has changed a lot Mm -hmm. i agree i think well i'm addicted to podcasts to a startling degree. So you're addicted to good stuff at auctions, podcasts. Yeah. I suppose there are worse things in the world to be addicted to heroin. Not even once. Yeah. True. True. (laughs) True. Absolutely not.
0: So you were, tell me a little bit about like your political career. Like you were, or you, you were going for New York state assembly.
1: Yeah. So prior to running for office, I was an appointed official. I was an assistant County administrator in St. Lawrence County. Um, and, uh, I had wanted to run for the state legislature. Uh, I was an intern in the Senate in 2014, worked in the Senate for a few years, um, had a conversation with my assemblyman years back, you know, when you retired, this is something I'd really be interested in. And how do I want to put this nicely?
0: He's not going to listen. Put it out straight. I
1: think I went into it with rose-colored glasses with the perception like, the best candidate will win the person who knows policy the best, the person who works the hardest. you know that's how that's how things work. no that that's not how things worked in my situation. Um, the district itself is huge, so it's essentially the center third of the congressional district. It's a chunk of St. Lawrence County, but very little. It's very gerrymandered up here. All of Hamilton, which has like five thousand people, most of Herkimer, six towns in Oneida. In of Fulton. So, if you look at it, like just shape-wise, it's like a pear. And I lived at the top of the pear, and it took three hours to get from all the one to the, the bottom of
0: the pear. Is what, was yeah. that where most of the voters and everything? Yeah. Lived?
1: So I was like three and a half hours away from the bulk uh, of the voters, which was that. That was problematic, but it wasn't insurmountable. If I had, so if you picture that pear on the top is where I was from. And then there were two other Republican candidates in the primary, one from each half of the bottom of the pair. The one from Herkimer County had run before; he had primaryed the incumbent and done very well. Very, very nice person. Um, not the and he and I'm not saying anything that he wouldn't say about himself. Not the most articulate, not great on policy, but he had the passion and he had the money to pay for a lot of very stuff important himself. part of politics. Yeah. This other fella Who I'll tell you When I first heard about him I was like Game over He's gonna win And I could even support him Retired colonel Seemingly family man Nice guy Not so much So the retired colonel bit is true Uh Didn't live in the district Um Was f- Committing tax fraud up the wazoo Uh Was not a nice person Uh has since committed uh, election law violations, is a jerk. Uh, He has been arrested. Nice. And he still won the primary. So I dropped (laughs) out before the primary because I saw the writing on the wall. We had done a poll, and we had determined that essentially Smullen, the the fellow who has been arrested and is not a good egg, uh, he was winning. But the percentage that I was getting and the percentage that the other candidate were getting were larger. So I thought, if I jump out and endorse the other guy, we can stop him. Did you talk about it with him? Like, did you have sit-down meetings with the other guy? Yeah, and and I publicly endorsed him, whatnot. Um, The problem was, Smullen comes from the county with about 60% of the vote. And not enough people knew about his corruption in time. So the primary came and went, and some people knew, and, you know, he didn't do great, He, but he pulled off enough to win. Um, so he, he, his thing has gone to grand jury now, likely going to be indicted. It's a cut-and-dry case. The forms are there. You can see where he committed fraud. Um, and then the election law stuff just happened last week, so he's going to get hit for that, too. Um, it was a, a sad experience because you see somebody who doesn't think the rules apply to them you know he he's a colonel he served his country country honorably i don't take that away from him but the way he would talk about enlisted members it was almost like yeah they're fine they're great but i'm really special and that was grading not only to myself i i, I was never in the service but i have family who were enlisted members and it, it was offensive
0: Just put a little bit more in front of you
1: it was offensive in the sense that yeah I don't find their service to mean any less than his. It was offensive to the other candidate who himself was an enlist- enlisted member. So he, he just really rubbed me the wrong way. I did not uh, like him at all. I thought the fact that you know he'd been arrested was disqualifying. Uh, unfortunately, to the primary voters, it was not. Or the, they didn't know. I don't know. Just logistically, also, there was a, a primary in his county, For a judicial race that was really hotly contested That drove up turnout as well So he had the advantage of coming from The most populous county He was the only county that had a primary countywide So the stars aligned for Yeah Um, So I have endorsed the Democrat now In the general Um, Disagree with him on a number of of issues But he's an honorable person He's working really hard He's a young person I think we need more young people in government Mm -hmm. Um, So I was happy to endorse him. Uh, Smolin, the criminal, has given himself a loan for his campaign of $80,000. I didn't have $80,000. Uh, he's buying his seat now. Um, it, it's sad to have learned what really matters, what it takes to win. And when you're in that situation and you're faced with those decisions, you know, can you go to bed at night thinking about your conduct. I didn't want to look back on this experience and say, I should have made that decision. It was the right decision, but I made the decision that was better politically. So it didn't, the race didn't go my way, but I have a lot of lessons learned. I will never run for any uh, office like that again. Uh, The travel alone would just be, I mean, I'm at the point in my life where in the next few years, I'd like to have kids It would not be fair to a young family to be traveling you know you got to be in Gloversville in the morning you got to be in Utica in the afternoon it I'm almost glad it didn't work out I'm glad I did it it was a a good experience in many ways Um, it really changed my perception a lot of things like in in terms of where I rank corruption on the list Uh, corruption's like number two now Um, and just the from a political perspective those people who will do anything to win and and that's sad because i i think that i had a a higher higher perception of what public service was and what politics should be and and how how that's supposed to work and boy was i wrong oof that so So, it's
0: totally off the table you don't because what was your your background what did you go to law school for?
1: I went to um, the Maxwell School at Syracuse University for public administration, so like government finance, government management. I love policy um, i I could see myself doing public service, not necessarily um, in an elected capacity, and if elected you know if I were to jump into another campaign which right now I cannot see myself doing, but if I were to do that hyper local, like, yeah town county at the highest level
0: i feel like you can make the most difference local oh absolutely like i think
1: i always tell people like if you want
0: to oh you care about helping out people like go to go to a soup kitchen or like donate your money local like it's Mm -hmm. don't look at washington and think they're going to solve your city's problems like go go to a town board meeting get on a committee yeah exactly and just just like helping people like one-to-one and it's going to make you Mm -hmm. feel so much better and like I don't know. I think I think doing something versus like like for example the uh, like what was it, the March for Our Planet? What mm-hmm. was the uh, that big march like leaving sixty thousand pounds of trash or something like that? Yep. Like instead of going to a big mar- march, why don't you go to your local park and just clean up? Like just yep. go pick up trash out of there. Like make a habitat for walk animals the mop, on your property. Talk, talk. Yeah, exactly. And I mm-hmm. I feel like our generation is so people are slowly starting to talk it more or walk it more. I mm-hmm. should say, but like it's so much talk, so much oh, well, I want this to happen but I don't want to do it. I want someone to figure it out for me. Like. Yep. I think that's the biggest problem. We there's obviously bigger problems, but like the biggest a problem that would fix it would solve solve a lot of things that people started acting more versus mm-hmm. just just talking basically. Like
1: it I want it's thought as a duty to get involved. Yeah. I mean, we can barely get people to vote. Yeah, exactly. Mind-blowing, but Yeah, it's great. I don't know. It's I'm bitter as hell and I'm still going to vote. Yeah. Like, I'll be number one at the polls to gladly cast my vote for and against certain people. Um, yeah, and, and the other thing about the, the race that I think in hindsight I, I think about, and it makes it easier that this the whole thing did not go the way I wanted it to. Let's say I had been elected and I did, you know, go to Albany. I would be in a super minority. There are like 30 Republicans in the Assembly and 120 Democrats. And it's getting smaller and smaller every year, because uh, the Republican Party is going nuts, and more people are seeing that. But I would have been in the minority; I would not have been able to get bills passed. I would have just been there to scream and yell, just like a frustrate How long does the uh, t- term is two years? Two years. So, would you have to live in Albany, or how often? Um, is for part of the year, for sessions. So, uh, three or four days a week, primarily in the spring up through June, if they're able to get their work done on time. Um, and that's another thing. So. I would, would have been making not much more than I was making in my appointed job. I would have had to travel a crap load. I would have had to raise a bunch of money, which is awful. I hated that so much. Um, and I'm like a campaign finance radical. I make Bernie Sanders look conservative on campaign finance. Um, so, Wait, that, what do you mean by that? Um, so, I take Bernie's premise that money, Bernie, and Bernie's not alone in this, that money has a corrupting influence in politics and that special interests are buying politicians. <clears throat> Bernie, though, believes that unions are not special interest groups. I think they are. I think a union inherently has specific special interests yeah, that, that they want to advance. So Bernie would say, "I'm not, and Bernie and a lot of Democrats would say, I'm not going to take any corporate money. I would say, I'm not going to take any special interest money and I'm not going to take any money from something that doesn't have a pulse. I do believe that money is speech. But I believe that humans are entitled to free speech. I don't believe that special interests are entitled through the political system to unlimited free speech. So in my campaign, I only took money from people. And I voluntarily reduced contribution limits. So, and this is one thing that I don't think most politicians would admit. But I will. When that person cuts you a check for, well, in, in the case of a state legislator, you know, 4400 if you're running for the assembly, up to like 10000 if you're running for the Senate, 25000 if you're running for governor. If that person cuts you a check for $25,000 and your phone starts ringing two different phone numbers, one's a generic constituent and the other is that person who cut you that check for $25,000, anybody who tells you they're going to answer that constituent's phone number first is lying. You're going to think, wow, that person did something really nice to me. I ought to answer that phone call first. That's wrong. I would like it to be a system where maybe that person gave me a hundred dollars. The incentive is a lot it is reduced substantially when you have smaller dollar donations mm-hmm. and you have diffused support rather than large clumps of huge money coming at you from in many cases people who have vested interests. I'd much rather you know get twenty dollars from somebody who thinks that because I care about ethics reform and the environment and stuff like that that I'm somebody they want to support. They don't expect me to carry a piece of legislation to help their business mm-hmm. or to advance their retirement. Um so when I hear Democrats and you know I Bernie Sanders is just an example talk about campaign finance and corruption I'm like yeah I agree with your premise but take it a little further because you're not going to get bipartisan reform until you take the sweetheart donors from the left and the right off the table yeah it's always going to be partisan it's going to be perceived as if the republicans did it and and we said only unions can't donate because unions have special interests and unions bankrupt the government which i don't believe by the way then that would be a crap campaign finance system if democrats did and they said only corporations can't give and unions can give unlimited amounts well that's a crap campaign finance system it has to be broad it has to be fair it has to be across the board Uh, and you don't hear many people espousing that so i hope someday there will be more
0: yeah and i get i mean getting it from someone if someone works you know regular hourly job paycheck to paycheck mm-hmm. somebody who has a hundred dollars giving you somebody who has two hundred dollars giving you a hundred dollars is a lot different than someone who
1: has mm-hmm. a hundred thousand giving you a grand something and there like are ways that. to amplify that the matching fund system where if you gave me five dollars and let's say the government had a 10 to 1 matching system so you gave me five boom the government chips in 50 from like a pool that will be uh, divvied out for people's campaigns. That's a great way to reduce uh, corruption mm-hmm. and special interest influence. So there are creative ways to do this, um, but it's sadly not even like. Well, I think making like
0: taking the money like I not having cable and like when I go to Sarah's parents' house, like what like it's the same campaign, like the same people running crap about the other person mm-hmm. every single time, and it's like it's like redundant. Like literally with the technology now, like I would much rather see them to, like, go Facebook Live for free from your phone and Mm -hmm. talk, like, say what your thing is. Don't just say how bad someone else is. Like, it's, I don't know. It's so, it just seems so um, superficial Mm -hmm. and, like, just, oh, just, I don't know, cheap. Like, oh, they took money. They kicked dogs. They did, like, it's so, it's crazy. And it makes me, like, that's almost what makes me, like, not... Not care about politics mm-hmm. and just be like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna work really hard. I hope like I hope it works out. Like I'm just gonna like for example, like I was I was still on my mom's health care, like mm-hmm. thanks to Obamacare, and like that was that was awesome. So just stuff. I don't know. It's Me so, too. A few more months. Yeah, I know. I only got. Oh, I hope I hope nobody technically because I'm married. I think I might be off of it, but I never got a letter of cancellation. So <laughs> we'll see. We're trying to. <laughs> that's that's my next, yeah that's my next big boy step paying yeah my own insurance Yep. thank you mom thank you for keeping me safe
1: <laughs> thanks but, dad
0: yeah no dad he's he's just a plumber they don't get insurance that's all mom <laughs> no and me for me it's oh. my dad's so what else let me see i got some got some good tim ferris questions that i stole how is a what purchase of a hundred dollars or less has most positively impacted your life in the past few years? Hmm. Of a hundred dollars or less. Or any anything manageable. It could be like some life hack stuff, something that you just enjoyed.
1: Um, I would say chickens or garden related stuff. Like pretty inexpensive up front and it brings long-term positive results and it's a joy to participate in that that system yeah so i would say that that fits them all. i love the circle of life like Mm -hmm. seeing the
0: chickens like we hatch our own eggs and stuff and it's so like it's almost it's made me like everyone's like what do you like you you kill them dude you knew them when they were like little chickens i'm like you you appreciate food so much more when Mm -hmm. you like spent time with it like i'm sure when you have eggs for breakfast like it's it's a well and they're way better oh my god not even i want to do a video for the farm like um you ever heard of the uh like the whopper challenge where they went Mm -hmm. around yeah i want to do that and do like the egg challenge and have like stewart's eggs next to my eggs but yeah i don't know I, i gotta figure out how to cook them like i don't know just do over easy on the street or something i should huh i just got a good idea that might be a little bit weird but if i go to homeless people and like set up set up like a propane stove and have like free like free egg Saturdays or something mm-hmm. and just be like which one did you like more but what um so what else tell me tell me a little bit about your garden like where did you did your parents
1: garden in? did you just find it on your own generations so my dad learned to garden from his grandfather and dad taught me first I geez before we even my parents' own property in West Potsdam, which is just like five miles away from here, that we had a, a garage on. Um, we had a garden there for as long as I can remember. Um, and I would get engaged with Dad there. When we bought the house up on uh, Main Street, I had a corner of the garden, and every year my corner got bigger, Dad's got smaller. Um, and then the first year we were here in this house, a super, super small garden, just in terms of schedule priorities like that did not happen. But this year, Oh, I had a huge garden and it went so well. I got so lucky. We had a big drought up here in this area. Um, but we bought a sump pump and pumped water from the river up yeah. into the garden. So it was like dead, sad yard, like just awful Brown. And then like utopia, the garden of Eden, like coming up. And I grew all sorts of like super cool stuff. Amaranth, which was just beautiful. And I, my tomatoes, I did heirloom tomatoes, they were beautiful, I didn't get any blight. like I could not have been luckier Eggplants, peppers it was phenomenal. So next year I want to go about twice as big. I have a list of the things I didn't grow enough of, the things I didn't actually use, so I probably either don't need to grow at all or much less of. Um, the things I really liked I saved seeds from, so all sorts of stuff like that. I really I love gardening. I planted fruit trees this year. What you plant? Uh, three different types of um, heirloom um, apples.
0: Where did you go about getting
1: them? A friend of mine uh, who lives in Messina, his father is a retired DEC officer and does tree grafting. And just really is passionate about it and loves like giving mm. the gift of trees. and. to put me in touch them. with him because we want to go pretty serious with the orchard this year. Oh, Wayne would be the perfect person to talk to. I'm so excited about these trees um next year i'd like to you know expand a little bit um maybe do a a plum tree pear tree yeah um oh what's that fruit it's becoming popular no i don't i don't like those and i'm not picky that's one of the few things i've i don't even know what they are i don't know why i I don't know why i said persimmons (laughs) they look like oranges um no um and the thing i'm thinking of is actually orange too and you can make beer from it it's becoming popular it's not
0: hops. You can make beer from it. No, you?
1: no, no. It's oh. a fruit, and it's I guess it's like the consistency of a banana. Hmm. Papa. Ah, I've heard of that before. And apparently, I know other people in this area who grow papa trees, and they survive in our climate. So I wanna, I'm gonna have to get in touch with them and see if I can get a seed or whatnot from them. I would love to to try growing something really out of the the ordinary. Um, and you know, every year my perennial garden gets bigger too. It's not just you know plants and uh, stuff to eat, but I also like cut gardens and flower cutting gardens and perennials and shrubbery and all sorts of good stuff. Yeah, I want to. My dad has
0: a pretty good garden at home. Like, and he he loves it. Honestly, like I think it's so relaxing. And my apartment, honestly, when I lived in Plattsburgh, our landlord let us put in like. I want to say it was like ten by twenty-five. Oh, nice! And like we put up, like we had old old fencing. We put up. He rented a tiller for us, and like we had a Good we honestly, yeah we had an amazing garden that year. Like we had, I can probably like twenty or thirty things of tomatoes. Nice. We had spinach, lettuce, and it was like I used to love getting out of work and or even before work and just like there's something therapeutic oh, about like absolutely. I think the having like a path and a goal like a garden is such a good example of like even like hardships like if you get slugs or something like mm-hmm. that like overcoming stuff like that and it's so many things aren't tangible in life now like oh you graduated college like yeah there's a ceremony but it's not like and you
1: get a piece of paper in the
0: wall yeah you get a piece of paper and alone so it's not like or dead mm-hmm. i should say mm-hmm. but a garden is one of the most like tangible where you can see oh i remember starting this seed inside. Oh, I remember, like, oh, these tomatoes are so good. Mm-hmm. Oh, all winter I'm going to have, I'm going to make chili with my own tomatoes and not get
1: all the extra crap yeah. into my diet. Absolutely. And and I enjoy, too, giving the garden away. I think that's so fun. Yeah. And not only the garden now, but also the the chicken eggs. To be able to bring to my grandma, like, here's a bag full of fresh, fresh greens and fruits and vegetables and a dozen eggs. I think that's fun. Yeah, I think, I wish there was, like, a, like, I remember a, I think it was on episode of Vice,
0: liberal, liberal me, about how in like Chicago and abandoned buildings and yards, they're like starting community gardens mm-hmm. and how much that's like helped and changed people. Like, I want to grow, I want to grow a lot of stuff that the animals can eat. Like, that's why I think apple trees would be because yep. I would eat them, I'd can them, I'd do whatever with them. But the pigs love them. Grow amaranth for your chickens;
1: they will thank you.
0: Yeah, is that the weird like that grain looking thing or something yeah, so that you? It's
1: very much like with a a like quinoa. quinoa. Yeah. Yep. And the flowers are beautiful. The plants are beautiful. You can use the leaves when they're still young as like a spinach. What's it called? Amaranth. Amaranth.
0: Amaranth.
1: Love that. That was one of the best things I grew. So what is it? Like,
0: how do you harvest
1: it? Like, like, what is it? So when the flower is, you know, the flower's been there for a week or so, you cut it off. Get a, in my case, I had a piece of white fabric. You just shake out the seeds. And then this year I didn't separate the seeds from the like the husks or something yeah I I'll show you the bag before you leave um, because I didn't necessarily want to eat this I wanted it to be seed for next year so this year I had two seed packets now I have a gallon um, ziploc bag filled and I'm going hard on the amaranth next year like every piece of of yard that I is a pain to mow I'm gonna till up Throw amarantha in there; it'll be beautiful. The chickens will love it. It's great habitat for the birds. Huh. Um, it's it's considered one of the superfoods, just in terms of the antioxidants and all the vitamins and minerals. What, in it. Is it like a carb base? What is it? Is it keto? Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's very much like a quinoa. Ah.
0: Hmm.
1: And it just grows up like how tall is it? Like, is it a mine? Is probably ten feet
0: tall. Wow. You How can many? get different varieties. You don't have no, to. No, I want the ten foot tall one.
1: That's awesome. Yep, and I grew the one that was golden and then the maroon. Any difference both. in flavor or taste or oh, chickens you need... liked them both. Yeah. I haven't eaten them. Uh I probably could figure out a way to get the um apparently what you're supposed to do is turn a like a box fan on low and drop the seed and the, the husky stuff like the will fly off? Will fly off and the seed is heavy, it'll just sink.
0: Whether or not that's true, don't know. Haven't tried it, but that's what I read. Have you ever had dirt cherries? I think they have a more official name. Um, Gooseberries? Ground cherries? Ground cherries. Yep. I've never
1: had them, but I tried growing them. They didn't germinate. Where you, uh, like, it's a little pod that you pop it out? Yeah, it's almost like a tomatillo...
0: It's the most amazing fruit I have ever had, if it can be considered a fruit.
1: Well, that makes me sad, because I tried growing it It's generally.
0: crazy. Some of them are earthy. Some of them are super sweet. Mm-hmm. I had them at one time at a farmer's market, and I guess they only bloom for like a week, hmm. a year. Oh, man, they're so good. I want to grow them so bad. I'm going to try
1: again next year, then.
0: What do you call them? What's the, if, not the dirt cherry name? Uh, ground cherry.
1: Ground Gooseberry, I think, is the other name for them. I love gooseberry tape. might be a current, though. Take me with a grain of salt on that eh. last one. I love taking notes of the podcast, all the stuff I'm going <laughs> to read and do after. Yeah, and I, I grow currants, too. Um, I only have black currants. So I need to expand that a little bit. Oh, and the island over there is filled with elderberries. Ah. So this year I made elderberry syrup. I made uh, elderberry juice, um, which is supposed to there. I always am kind of a skeptic of things. Um, elderberries, I heard, you know, are great superfood, blah, blah, blah. You're supposed to take them like elderberry gummies or supplements when you have the flu or you are sick with a cold or whatnot. And the theory is it helps you get better quicker. So a place in the UK did a double-blind placebo test to see if there's any validity to this. It turns out and you can't get with a double-blind placebo control, etc. That is the highest level of testing. And they found that there was a statistically significant difference between the people who took, um, uh, elderberry. I, think, I don't know if it was in syrup form or what it was, Doesn't but matter. elderberry in general, that they, their symptoms disappeared and reduced five days earlier than those who took traditional medicines. So I was like, I'm sold. So I'm going to give that a shot this year. What is it? Does it just grow like berry bushes? So the elderberries that are over on the island are super tall. They're taller than me. And they have a beautiful white flower. They're
0: probably like heritage or something then if they're on the island.
1: Oh, they're wild for sure. Yeah. Um, and the fun thing is the flowers you can make elder, elderberry cordial, I think it's called, which is like a, a syrup for drinks or you could put it in tonic water. It has all sorts of uses. I don't know necessarily medicinal. You and your gin, thing. elderberry, and tonic. I love, love, love that. <laughs> um, so I made with the flowers elderflower cordial. And then months later, toward the end of the season, the, the flowers are probably like this big with all little teeny flowers. Each little teeny flower becomes a berry and they are so heavy, they hang down. So you just snip, you come inside, you thumb off all the berries, uh, mash them up, put them in the um, uh, like a blender or something. Not even a blender, like a, a pot with some water, boil them up. Um, very, very little water too. And then I took cheesecloth and strained out all the mm-hmm. seed and junk and whatnot. Um, and then you're left with this really very strong, uh, not necessarily even good tasting uh, juice. But then for me, I, I did the the syrup with uh, fresh local honey and then canned that and... Uh, Over this winter, I have a terrible immune system. I'm just going to open one of those every few weeks, leave it in the refrigerator, take a spoonful a day. Have you ever tried bone broth for helping with illnesses? I haven't. I'm open to it. Supposedly that, yeah, I just
0: made a bone broth where it was the best broth I ever made because I I made it out of the head and the feet of Mm -hmm. like a bunch of roosters and it was Mm -hmm. like so thick and dark. Oh, it's so, I can't
1: wait to make soup out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would be open to trying that. I, I have such a terrible immune system that there's nothing I won't give a shot.
0: Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure all the all the farm fresh produce and stuff helps you. So do you
1: do you can a lot? Wood. This is the longest period of time I have not been sick and it just so happens I had like the best garden ever so and I have all these farm, farm fresh, fresh eggs, chicken and eggs. And my diet has changed substantially so I'm like, "Hey, maybe there's Next something." Next you're going to get
0: some pigs, get some
1: prosciutto. If you can convince Nick. Um, what were you say? You asked me a question I just had Alzheimer's and forgot.
0: I have no idea. It was probably about what kind of what kind of chickens do you have?
1: Uh, we have 3 Rhode Island Reds. We have three Buff Orpingtons, we have three black sex links, and we have one Easter egg. And one of our Rhode Island Reds was attacked by a fox. And I didn't know this, but a physical manifestation of PTSD is for the chicken to turn white. So we have a Rhode Island Red that has gradually turned white as a result of its traumatic experience. So it made it, though? Did the oh, dogs it, chase it off? No, so it's... A, It's kind of a funny story. So our neighbors, other side of the house here, evangelical Christians, very good people. They have a bunch of kids. I'm out in the side yard. I'm behind the carriage house, which is back behind the house. And I see the chickens. You know, they're kind of playing in between our lawn and the neighbors. They're totally free range. No fence, no netting, whatever. And I see a fox come out of the swamp, grab the chicken, and pull the chicken into the swamp. And I just stand there. I have a little cry. I'm pretty sad. It was one of my favorite. I love the Reds. They're so friendly. So I'm ha- having a sad moment. And she comes over to me and she goes, well, you know, what's wrong? And I'm like, well, you know, foxes have kids. They need to eat too. I'm trying to like console <laughs> her by consoling me. And so Nick gets home and I tell him the bad news. It was the first chicken we'd lost too. It was a That's very, always the hardest. Yeah. It was so, and I saw the whole thing happen too. So I was very, very sad by it. So I tell Nick, and he's sad, and we go to bed, and he goes to let the chickens out. And he goes, I thought you said one of the chickens got eaten yesterday. I'm like, it did. I watched the chicken be removed from the yard into the swamp. He goes, there are six chickens in the carriage house. I'm like, okay, you're crazy. So I go down, I look. Sure enough, she's in there. She had feathers ripped off. Like, you could tell that she had been attacked. But she escaped somehow from this fox. I'm surprised the fox didn't come back. Oh, it's come back. It's gotten its fair share. So we had six of the reds. Now we have three. We had four of the Easter Eggers. Now yeah. we've one.
0: My neighbors lost like thirty chickens. Oh, yeah, they got they got wiped out. We lost. We had so many free ranging over the winter. We lost a bunch last winter. We were, barely even kept kept count because it was stupid that we lost count like that. But like mm-hmm. our neighbors got a bunch, and they had a uh, what was it? Were they dying from the cold? or from nah, fox. Oh. Yeah, fox, hawks. Um, I think a fisher too, because we had um. I should have shot it during hunting season last year. Not that I would ever break any New York State hunting rules, mm-hmm. but if I were to, and I didn't, I only had a thirty odd six. So if I did do that, I'd want to make a mount out of it. Like yep. I wouldn't want to just blow it apart. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Eh, you can go, Fisher." But then he he got he got eaten, or he ate ate some of my buddies. But that's the life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always during uh, not yelping, but whenever foxes
1: have their babies, that's yep. when that's when they all get them. So do you, in the winter, let your chickens, like, go out in the snow? Yeah. Okay. They're fine. I'm nervous about that because we don't have a fence and they're going to stand out. Yeah. A lot of things
0: aren't... I guess things are pretty hungry in the winter. I'd be like, standing out
1: back with my gun. Ready for the fox to come. Um, Yeah, it's...
0: I think it's... You're just... My neighbors... Or one of my neighbors have their chickens just in cages. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel bad for them because I'm like a free range kind of oh, guy, um, but they lose less
1: chicken, so it's. Yeah, but what kind of? A, I mean, yeah, what kind of whole you reason I'm raising these chickens is to like, a have better produce, but also support the kind of agriculture that I yeah believe like re- is, restorative yeah, exactly, agriculture. Exactly. I love like I wanna I wanna get into like permaculture and yeah, like me get, too. I'm get, so excited to put chicken poop in my garden. This coming spring, I've got it all like in a big barrel ready to go. If you ever need rabbit poop, you let me know. I hear that's very good too. It is the
0: best because you don't need to compost it and Hmm. it's the only thing that can go in hot okay whereas chicken is super hot right yes chicken is the hottest cow cow and pig isn't too bad i think pig's pretty good because i think it passes through their system relatively quick Mm -hmm. and like Hmm.
1: all the more reason to get pigs
0: yeah (laughs) i'm working on it no they're all they're so smart honestly like they're when i used to smoke cigarettes like i would literally go in their pen and, like, I had a chair in there, and, like, I would just sit in there. They'd rub up on me. Like, some of them still are, like, scared of me, which is pretty funny. But some, some of them, like, mm-hmm. love me. One of them literally Sarah scratches behind the ear its
1: straight legs and just falls over. Oh. And she just scratches her belly. See, I, I'm afraid I would get too attached. At that level, that would be borderline for me. Like, I could eat the Orpingtons. I could eat the Black Sex Langs. What chickens can't eat? I won't be able to eat the reds, and I won't be able to eat the Easter Egger because they were the first, and I like yeah. called them, and they're very friendly. Um, it, it, although the the black sex link, one day we were out in the carrot chest and one flew onto my shoulder, and I was like, "Whoa, this has never happened before!" Ugh. All right, I, I won't yeah. eat you. Yeah, so <laughs> whichever one you, you are, you're not gonna get eaten. Um, and I grew up like on the family farm. I, I never had that issue with cows because. I never bonded with cows to the extent that I was, like, hugging them and rubbing their ears. How many cows do you have? Well, I didn't have them. My uncle had them, but I don't know, a few hundred. Yeah. We
0: really, I want to, I sort of want to start and just get, like, two Angus's. but we were watching a, what is, it's a great show on Amazon Prime, Pioneer Quest. Oh, I don't know about this. Where um, people, it's, it's like a. Almost like a reality show, but they go back to eighteen thirties living, oh, and they have. Anyone a, I'm watching tonight? Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, it's great. It's it's so easy to bang out a seat, or There's just one season of it. it. Pioneer. It's similar. If that's not the exact name, but it's it's a Canadian show. Okay. And they go back to the eighteen thirties and like live like they had hundreds of people come, like the whole town gathered, like they had all the tools and stuff, but they mm-hmm. had to build build from raw land. Get all the lumber. They have like a five hundred dollar budget for the year. It is it is such a great show. And like the cow, they get a they get a milk cow and everything, and Mm -hmm. like it just like hangs out with them the whole show. Like they'll just be like walking around, and like the cow just sort of be following them. And I I love the idea of a milk cow, but it's like you have to. It's a gallon of milk a day. You have to get you have to process it relatively quickly and like do something with it, or else it goes bad. So Mm -hmm. we're gonna start. We're going to start with goats because it's less like a cow eats a, a square of hay a day, and that's $3 a day. That's 1000 plus a year just in hay, not in grain. Yep. So, and what am I going to do with all that milk? And goats, milk, you can, like, uh, like I, I, I never really want to get into selling, like, or maybe one day I will, but, like, cheeses and stuff because mm-hmm. it's so, most of the job like that is, like, cleaning. Like, you're cleaning out your... Cleaning tanks four times. Yeah, stuff like that. Like, whereas soap is less regulated and it's not like you're not going to get someone sick from, yep. from goat's milk. Like, I'd love to do it myself. We'd make all our own stuff. But the the
1: selling of food product is such a such mm-hmm. a big endeavor. And, and it can be so risky. I grew up on raw milk, which for somebody with a shit immune system like me is a miracle that I never died. Is raw milk really? Who? So everyone you knew grew up on raw milk, right? Did mm-hmm. any of them ever get sick? I wouldn't say everyone I knew grew up. Not everyone milk. you knew, but very few actually. So when we when people would come over and we had our pitcher that had the raw milk in it, we would never give it to other people because and I remember my parents saying like if you're not used to it, it'll give you an upset stomach. But we I would have been used to it. So it, it never that. was an issue for I don't me. Know. But like Sugarhouse Creamery, I would, personally I wouldn't I'm not cut out to be a dairy farmer. They'll like get up in the morning, go milk in the dead of winter you have to do it again every evening you're so stuck to your land I, God bless the people who do that yeah. I love milk I love cheese thank you very much to the farmers like but if I were ever to do it it would be like a sugar house creamery model like limited herd higher quality cow raw milk raw milk cheese their they cheese, sell raw milk there? oh yeah I'm pretty sure that that's what's in the um ah. the thing and you buy right from them you're not buying yeah. Their cheese and their cheese is for sure raw milk cheese. Absolutely, so good. Oh Uh, my god, the Dutch Dutch (laughs)
0: knuckle—that's so funny. We said at the same time.
1: I so that day, you know, where we were talking earlier, where we drove through frigging God's country and almost ran out of gas. Uh, That day, we had brought back like fifty dollars in Dutch knuckle, which isn't a lot. I mean, that it's expensive, but it's worth it. It was sitting on the coffee table we had here. I know where this is for like two seconds. Dogs are the devil. Eva ate the whole god darn thing. I was so mad. I had drove, driven six hours total to get this cheese and that little oh my god, I was so upset. So upset, but God love her. We had <laughs> we had
0: in our apartment once we got um like a five pound brick of cheese and we're just we're just hanging out eating it like um I like I just buy in bulk for most stuff. And Cut cutting the cheese, eating it, hanging out. We don't even get up. We're on the couch the whole time. I just look. I'm like, where is the five pound brick of cheese? Oh. Cooper literally ate it in like one bite, mm-hmm. and was just hanging out in the corner, just looking at us, and we couldn't even like um, reprimand him because if you if you don't catch him in the act, they just mm-hmm. they don't know what they did. Yep. he had this dinkiest cheddar farts for, like, oh. two weeks I mean, like, straight. man,
1: you're sleeping downstairs.
0: Yeah, oh, man, that little fucker.
1: Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, I
0: think I think the, like, the localvore movement and, like, the small, like, all-sable brewery, in-law brewing over here. Mm-hmm. I haven't tried them yet, but they, they seem like they're doing great. They were
1: open today. They had the shawarma there. Yeah. I was like, if I didn't have the auction, I would have said we should go to that, but...
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's... Especially for, like, rural economies, it's such a it's breathing in so much life to all the old farmland where it's mm-hmm. like, I, I always tell people like, don't try and beat a commodities market. Like everyone's like, Oh, well you should, you should get I'm like, why don't you just try and sell like a thousand eggs? And I'm like, I'm never going to beat Drew's mm-hmm. poultry. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to like specialize. Like I have blue and green eggs and like people are going to talk about that and like put it on their Instagram. Cause it's interesting. Like yeah. in milk markets, like, uh, I forget what I went to, or one of the Adirondack Young Professionals events. It was um one of the guys. It was Myers Cheese in mm-hmm. Fort Covington. I hear he's awesome. He is the best cheese curd I've ever had, and he is a gangster of a human. Awesome. He had the he came from. I Have him on
1: he, your podcast. I'll listen to that. Yeah, one. no, I want
0: to. I think he came from. I want to say Sweden, and just like oh Fort Covington, like he heard that like you could buy like a hundred acres for like fifty bucks, like mm-hmm. back in the day. And him and his family, were like, oh, we'll give it a try, and literally just came over here, like sight unseen. Hmm. And but he said he's in the the death zone of dairy farming, where if you're in something like Sugarhouse Creamery, where you're, they're probably what are they, like twenty, maybe fifty head of cattle. If that, oh, no, I would say, less I think than 20. yeah, I thought they were like twelve or something yeah. like that. You're okay; it's not super high overhead. They're like it's not Brown gonna,
1: Swiss; they're beautiful.
0: Yeah, it's not gonna it's not gonna kill you if something mm-hmm. if there's an off year or something because you don't have a ton of overhead. Mm-hmm. And then there is commercial which is i don't even know probably multiple 100. thousands hundreds mm-hmm. of thousands the one to 200 because you're still a pretty big operation you still have a decent amount of overhead mm-hmm. and like he he just switched up his whole business model where he um originally he was selling to I don't know how it works exactly. Like I guess, like basically, a truck comes and just picks up your milk. So he, you're part of a cooperative. Or yeah, that sort cabin. of thing. Mm-hmm. And then he sort of switched gears and went into like he does cheese curds. He makes all his own
1: cheeses and stuff now. Nice. Oh, it is so good. They are the squeakiest cheese curds I've ever had. I love cheese curds. And I've, I, we get so many eggs, and we're not at the point where we can sell them yet. I mean, we get three eggs a day. We're not. Yeah. We don't have critical mass by any stretch. But we're at the point also where we're not using them quickly enough. So I'm like, well, I've got two dozen eggs. What am I gonna do? So I have started to make quiche, and I put cheese curd in the quiche. And oh my god, that's so good! So I should try to get some of his. That'd be nice to support somebody like that.
0: Oh yeah, he's he's such a cool guy. Oh man, he had like, he was like cracking jokes and stuff. Like he had like a super super quick sense of humor and mm-hmm. everything. Oh, he's so cool. Well, he brought us so much cheese too. I'm a fan of anybody who brings me cheese. It's yeah, plus I want to get my uh, I want to get my egg production up because we, we used to have like over a dozen every day, but then when we lost a lot last winter, and now all of ours are just starting to lay, so we're only like nine or ten a day. Mm-hmm. Like I literally sell like a dozen a day, and it's mm-hmm. like I I could I haven't turned on the faucets yet. Like I haven't broken outside of my immediate circle almost. Like I sell to everyone I know. It's not too many random customers, yep. but like I'm.
1: I'm getting ready, gearing up next year to sort of break out and like mm-hmm. well, do especially it. doing the blue and green eggs like that. I think people like that. Yeah, no, that's it's... why we got the Easter Eggers, and now we only have one Easter egg and she doesn't even lay. So I'll hook you up. Don't worry. Just don't break into Plattsburgh Mark. <laughs> Sounds good.
0: <laughs> you keep that in St. Lawrence County. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I think I think differentiating yourself is such a like doing something like because I always like I always I don't know why, but I always say like you're never going to beat the commodities market. Like, you you never going to you're never going to make cheese cheaper than great value cheese at walmart mm-hmm. but you know what if you make amazing cheese that's different you're going to get a story and as branded well exactly yeah like uh, it's it's there's such power in doing like mm-hmm. even what you're doing here like the madrid mercantile like mm-hmm. getting stuff where you have a story of it you have a
1: connection to the people like yep. and the kayak and the canoe we haven't really talked about that but that that's a huge part of it the rentals yeah, explain that. It explain was really a little nice. Little so we have a fleet of mm, a little over forty boats, kayaks and canoes. You get those at auction? No, we we bought an existing business that um the the people who are running it were uh, going away to college. So we bought that. It just so happened that came for sale like I forget if it was before or right after we found out we were gonna buy the barn. So we're like, Oh well, look at this. We'll do this and maybe it'll pay the taxes. It did. Um but The thing that was really cool about the kayak and the canoe rentals was the number of people who've lived in this community for decades and they've never experienced the river here. And they'd go out I mean, these are people of all ages. We had infants and we had people who were
0: on the other side of eighty. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And they'd come back and they're like, I had no I've lived here forever and I had no idea how beautiful this was. That was really cool. To show people another side of the community that they had never seen before, that they want to experience again and in the number of repeat customers we had and like great yeah. referrals that was really uh gratifying and then to hopefully build on that and to do you know the canvas tent you know, glamping or whatever they call it to try to incorporate that into the the umbrella into you know for the people who do want to have an overnight experience that's awesome and i can so the the um canvas tents I'll be able to have them on a, a really nice platform. I can have like a, a queen size bed in there with an antique dresser and prints on the wall, and like design it in such a way that like you don't see a house. You're on the river. You're on an island, but you're in this like glamorous one bedroom essentially with yeah. a campfire on the other side of where your little piece of canvas there. So I'm excited for that. I think that's going to be a rewarding experience, and you know at the very least a a blessing. So. And there's probably no, like, there's no, like,
0: regulations for glamping, I assume. Because it's, it's not real property. Tax man. You hear that, Assessor?
1: Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. Taking our money. <laughs> yeah, amen to that. So, yeah, it's, it's not considered real property. I'm sure, you know, as we have conversations about leasing that island, we'll probably do, like, an insurance rider to protect them. That's, yeah. But that's fine. Yeah, no. That's and if not... our upfront cost is the, the infrastructure to actually build the, the platform and to set up the tent, Okay, so you pay for that over the course of your first year, yeah, and not then every year out, it's all pure profit from there.
0: What do you think the tent's going to cost you?
1: Um, a good one in the so the tent and the platform, I would say probably like fifteen hundred to two thousand.
0: That's not horrible, really, for a,
1: for a good one. I could get a, a cheap one and not be happy with it, and yeah. have it last a year. Um, I'd rather invest in one that I like, uh, you know, you take pride in and you yeah, use like, year after year. And the concept I have, and I've kind of engineered how I want to do it, I'm going to be like Huck Finn. The The platform, I want it to come in two pieces, and I'll put a trolling motor on the back, take one up, one half of it up, come back, take the next half. Of oh, actually,
0: it. take that's <laughs> what you meant by Huck Finn. I was yeah. like, what is he talking about? Yeah, like about? a raft,
1: essentially. <laughs> And then get the two pieces up onto the island, bolt them together, and that's the platform that you put the. You're just going to put on. like like cement six by sixes in the ground or something, or? I don't know. I, I'd have to think a little bit more about that. Um, it's flat enough where I'm not sure I'd even need. Yeah, if you really just put cement blocks it. down, you yeah, because it's not like it's not a foundation. It doesn't matter no, if no, it shifts no. a little. And. Uh, it'd be up high enough I could put like a nice oriental rug out there like this is really going to be decorated to the nines yeah Uh, and I'm going to try to incorporate like other local things in there so if somebody's going to go up overnight I'll give them six eggs and like yeah here's a a care package from the garden go cook something nice on this cast iron pan yeah you know leave a few things of cast iron out there for them Uh, I think it'll be a fun experience more than just you know going camping somewhere it'll be
0: I like how you're like melding all of your uh, just things that you enjoy. And Mm -hmm. that's when my, when I was younger, one of my buddies, uh, his uncle said, like, find a hobby that makes you money or saves you money. Like, it's, and it's so true. Like, doing, Mm -hmm. like, oh, I like antiquing. I also happen to
1: have glamping and I Mm -hmm. also have an antique shop and that sort of thing. Yep. And to, to make it, so we, we didn't talk about how sometimes I rent the house too, but one of my long term plans for that is, when you come to rent the house, I want a website, and it changes so much right now because I'm cycling things in and out, but I want a website that you can go room by room and see the items and add to your bill. Like if you decided, mm, I'd really like that print there. So you pull up living room on your uh, the website for your rental. You say, okay, yep, that print is $73. Purchase, take it with me. It's added to my bill. Boom. So you have... Done. As part of your hospitality, you can buy pretty much anything in. It's all for the place. sale
0: except the walnut desk.
1: Exactly that walnut desk, and if I ever get that Ogden piece back, <laughs> yeah,
0: maybe they'll listen to this and just just give maybe it back. They'll yeah. just feel
1: sympathy and be like, "Oh, okay, we'll sell it back for exactly what we bought it for, or less."
0: Yeah, I think that's. I think that's a, like a big key to happiness to find find hobbies that you enjoy that mm-hmm. also make you money because it it's a great feeling. Or like the garden saves you money, mm-hmm. like that. Uh, I think eventually I'll make money on the farm. It's not, it takes, it takes a lot of overhead to, to the the bigger we get. But yep. I think I just love it. Like, I just wanted to have, like, my, basically, I love meat and I just mm-hmm. wanted to raise my own meat because it's so expensive to go to, like, support your local farms and stuff. But, like, direct to the farm isn't expensive. But if you go to, like, a co op or something, it's so expensive to get it mm-hmm. by the cut. It's nice to build that relationship directly with the farmer, oh, too. Oh, yeah. I really like that. Have you been to Mace Chasm Farm? Mm hmm. They're awesome. They're down near sable Brewery, and they're like, check them out. They're revitalizing like that whole strip. Like it's people who stay in Lake Placid. Like it's like the talk of the town
1: in Placid, and people drive like forty five minutes I to think the brewery I follow them on Instagram. Yeah, and they have a beautiful house on the property yep. and gardens. Yep. Mm-hmm. Goals.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's awesome for like rural areas up here, like because all the infrastructure is there. Like I get so jealous of people who they buy like. Old houses that have barns and everything else on it because we bought raw land. So I'm like, mm-hmm. you bastard! You like, yep. you just get to move into somewhere and have have well, not your because your barns like it wouldn't be super ag. It's more like mm-hmm. just storage and stuff. But like, oh, look at our big barn with a
1: hayloft, and we just oh, we'll just throw cows. Our fields are already fenced. Yep. But even what we have, so the, the the carriage house out back is in pretty good structural shape, and. W- we've kind of tossed back and forth, you know, not necessarily in the super short term, but turning that into a secondary dwelling. Like having it so there's uh, the back section there, there's kitchen and a bathroom downstairs with like an open staircase up to like a grand room with a uh, living area, your bed, and then that whole back wall, all just windows looking up the river. You know, get a, a professor to come live there for nine months of the year, get a, a grad student, whatever. Uh, the investment i don't think would be obscene and then you have that passive income you increase the appraised value of your property so i think you can formulate these things in such a way that it's a good long-term investment and you can enjoy doing it
0: yeah we want to build a little cabin somewhere on the property like um we want it to be not too close and not too far i'm trying to figure out like the perfect spot for it but Mm -hmm. i basically want it to like my parents because our we just live in a cabin basically so it's like I don't mind it because I don't like. I'm not shy, basically. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't care about walking past people who go to the bathroom and stuff. But yep. it's harder for like because I was on the hockey team, so I mean I'm used to walking around, walking around people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like it's such a small space. Like we just have the the living room. Like people set up an air mattress there. Mm-hmm. So I want it. I want people to be able to come and like stay for two weeks and yep. make breakfast in there some, some time and have like not have to be on us the whole time. Like mm-hmm. I always find like a like family vacations. Like if you if everyone goes and everyone's in a little cabin and there's like a main hangout area, it's much better than everyone in a house because you're not on Constantly. top of each. yeah. Yep. Like I stayed in a place in uh North Carolina. Where was the place? I don't remember. It was. It was awesome though. Like there was a bunch of uh, a bunch of no. This I'm confusing. This was in Georgia. There was a bunch of little cabins. And then like a a bigger cabin that we had sort of the main meals at. There was a lazy river running throughout oh, it, nice. and oh, it was so awesome. Very cool. Yeah. So I want to. I want to. I don't think I'd. I don't know if I'd ever have like multiple cabin. I get my property's too small for multiple cabins, really, because it's only 14. I guess it's not really, but that's pretty big. Oh yeah. Things
1: relative. I'm like, okay, that's 14 of my yard. That's pretty big. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but with the, all the agriculture and stuff, like mm-hmm. I wouldn't want people to be downwind from the pigs. Yep. But, um, like j- probably I'd love to buy another property and, uh, I like to start, uh, Adirondack Treehouse company. One oh, of my old business cool. teachers told me that he's like, he's, uh, what is it? Laurent Josian, he has a hilarious voice and he was, we got lunch one day and like the first thing he said, he's like, how many trees do you have on the property? Like, have you thought about starting a tree house company? I'm like, you dog, you like, <laughs> you watch that show. There's like a, there's some show about like super tree house builders mm-hmm it's pretty
1: interesting don't get show. me on another one i gotta watch pioneer quest. yeah <laughs> you'll like pioneer quest more yeah i'm excited it's i, I watch um barnwood builders oh i love that and show that's a lot of like taking apart uh yeah. pioneer cabins and i eat that up so i'm sure this is gonna be awesome too man i want to do we gotta do the clamping i gotta do the cabin
0: i'm gonna have a, sarah's gonna have a busy year she's my builder She could build the platform. Yeah, I'm like a
1: fish out of water. I'm like, well, let's make this work. No, you got it. It's not too bad. Measure twice, cut once. Watch YouTube Mm -hmm. video. Oh, YouTube is a godsend for that stuff.
0: Oh, there's no excuse to not Mm -hmm. learn how to do everything now. Besides, I don't know. I guess I guess if you have to buy the tools and stuff, and you got to be willing that you might. And I don't mess with electrical. Yeah, don't don't YouTube electrical stuff. Uh, I do a little. Like I, I'm happy to pay a professional for that. Yeah, it's safer that way. Yep plumbing's not too bad though. Plumbing the number one thing for plumbing is make sure you have a good main shutoff. Mm. Because the, like anytime we walk into a house and do anything, we check the main shutoff because stuff just breaks when it's an old house and yeah. then if this is if you break this, you're going to have to fix that down the line and then you realize that that down the line is broken and then you realize that that down the line is broken and it's just a it's just a like plumbing simple, but it's stuff like that that makes it fun. mm mm-hmm. Mhm so you rent so your other endeavor so you rent or no we'll talk about we'll talk about real estate a little cuz that also that also plays plays a role in this mm-hmm. so what what
1: made you like want to get your license and get into that love homes love interior design um it, it like you were saying before it just kind of matches up with my interests and uh i i didn't know what you had to do to become a realtor so i did a little research and i'm like oh that doesn't seem too bad. Like 75 hour course? Yeah, 75 hour course. I took mine online, uh, and I thought, well, this is gonna be boring, an online course, but it was actually interesting. There were a few the course I took had a lot, and maybe this is the case because we live in New York State. There was a lot of city centric stuff, like cooperatives and stuff like that, that I'm never gonna have to deal with that I was just kinda like, let's skip through this, skip through this. But broadly speaking it was a genuinely interesting course um and the test was not hard it you probably could have passed it without the course frankly but yeah. but the course was informative I'm glad I I took that and then with real estate um I didn't do it on purpose but it it maybe just because of my social network and the things that I'm kind of known for a lot of the houses that I've sold have been older historic homes which I just love you have house crushes on them oh yeah oh yeah it's been fun because a lot of these houses that I'd love to see the inside of I'm like hmm I'm a realtor now let's set up a showing for this yeah like oh would you look at that <laughs> yeah 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 this is beautiful um, so so that's been a lot of fun I've been doing that for close to a year now um, I have a great time with it uh, it's a it's a everything is very different no no two deals are the same I'm oh, yeah. learning things constantly I'm exploring all parts of the county that I've never been to before uh, you know I'm I th- thought I had been most places, but I was wrong. Not even close. Oh yeah. my gosh. So it, it's, it's been great. Uh, certainly it's not perfect, but broadly speaking, it's been a great experience and hope to do it for years to come.
0: I'm so jealous of realtors when I'm in like the office all day and I just think about, I know it's so, I would also hate it. Like just driving to different houses and people never making an offer and knowing that it's not going to come through. But like, I mostly am, am jealous cause like, I feel like making content for Instagram or Facebook, like. Oh my God! if I was a realtor, I would make like anywhere I go I would take beautiful landscape pictures, and so many don't so I you'd know. set yourself apart. I know it's crazy like I would be every time I had a listing an open house or anything I would go live I would oh, make yes like it's so like I have to think of a script, talk about mortgages which are boring and like try and try and entertain people and educate people from the office where if I was like. Out on the road, if I could go to different houses, mm-hmm. I should start. I'm, I might start going to open houses. I don't know. and Realtors would love that. Yeah, that's
1: what. Because <laughs> open houses really—it's it, a dying. It's I think it's a dying thing now. Yeah, and I think maybe from a marketing perspective, if you anything to get the property out there is a good thing. So there could be um positive externalities to it. But you're lucky to get one person to come to an open house. Yeah. So if if a mortgage broker showed up, I'd be like yeah somebody came to my open house yeah make sure you sign in so i can show the seller um yeah i think that and that'd be a good way to get more business too because they'd be like Whew, thank god that guy who actually came to my showing he yeah I, might, I thought for... about
0: bringing a laptop and a printer and just being like we could do pre-approvals on the spot that's a good idea yeah i hope no mortgage brokers are listening <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll sure. no. I think there's something like everybody is an idea idea millionaire, but like Mm -hmm. execution and ideas are... because I'm sure, yeah, because you're young, you own a house, you own multiple pieces of property. I'm sure there's some people like, well, I could have done that and thought of that, but, you know, I didn't have this or that. And like...
1: I I mean, let me tell you, all the debt's mine. Yeah. I didn't inherit anything.
0: Yeah. Well, just executing. Like, I'm trying to work on better on like... Like I have... Since I started marketing, like or mortgages, I have a like a mortgage marketing ideas folder, and like I have so so much in there, and I'm like, why don't I just like execute more of the stuff, like not not just have ideas in my head all day, and mm-hmm. like just do the simple
1: stuff right. I mean, it, it's never going to be 100. percent This year, I wanted to sell Christmas trees on top of you know we mentioned the decorations. I saw. I'm like, oh, I'll sell Christmas trees. It'll be a perfect marriage of the two things. Blah blah blah. You have to order your Christmas trees in, like, July if you want to do that. Would you sell them, like, just have a truck drop them off here, or mm-hmm. do you have... So, I'd probably do them out in front of the, the mercantile barn there. Um, what's I have the... all these lofty plans to do it. What's you... the what's the markup on a Christmas tree? I don't know. Never got that far. But we... I told myself I was going yeah. to. And it just didn't happen. I almost
0: wanted to just dedicate a small... I have so many things I want to do on the property, but, like, dedicate a small area to growing Christmas trees. And grow them, like, massive. And have, mm-hmm. like, specialty trees where I have, like... I got 12, 30, or 15-foot trees, and it's like...
1: I think I can get a 12-footer in here. Oh, you can get a 12-footer in here. And that's my goal this year. I want three Christmas trees. I'm going to be divorced at this rate. He's like, I don't even want one. I'm like, I want three. I love them,
0: but we're not going to have them. We don't don't agree with deforestation.
1: (laughs) Even though, I I don't know, I only heat with wood and stuff. Well, I'd be like, okay, so think of it this way. If you get a Christmas tree from a, a sustainably grown place and then you do carbon sequestration with it and you mulch the tree you do what like rather than burn it and just let the carbon go back into the atmosphere you you compost it Ah. so like we have a wood chipper i'll chip the how big wood chipper do you have how i don't know just Uh, like a little one or can you put like branches in i can put like oh man i'm so jealous i want one of those Uh, and i mulch the crop in my garden it makes my uh upkeep so reduced um, so, you know, you could mulch your tree, and then you could compost it. And
0: I want to grow one outside, like, pretty close to our house, and mm-hmm. every year have Christmas outside.
1: I think that would be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I have a bias against most evergreen trees, though. I really like balsam, and I like tamarack. I would never put a tamarack in my front yard, though. And I would probably never, unless I had a really big front yard, I would never put a balsam out there. I had a spruce tree out here when I bought the house, and I cut it down thought it was ugly. Why? Well, you just, you a, just don't it destroys like the soil, makes it too acidic, so I wouldn't be able to do my uh, guards and stuff around it. I don't know. I Just hate them. Uh, if they're fully, like a big white pine, I think is pretty. Especially with the ones that have character. They're kind of scraggly and ugly and whatnot. You would love my spirit tree. It has a massive crack down the middle. Yeah, that's the type of stuff I like. And maybe I could do a white pine, because even when they're young, I think they are decent looking. I'd hate red pines um yeah i I I like jack pine is red pine pretty much right yeah i'm trying to think of the type of spruce where it's almost like a weeping spruce i want do you like cedars yeah i want to grow i want to grow cedars just for fence posts in the future cedars i grew them it's funny at my parents house down the street i dug up cedars from the woods in west potsdam in 2001 we bought the house and now the cedar tree is like gigantic um the problem was last year and i don't know why it took well, let's see, we moved in 2001. That was 2017. It took 17 years for the deer to like, eat them, but they beat the shit out of my trees, and they look terrible now, so I'm like, mm, that's sad. I think they like rubbing on cedar and like eating it. I heard that they will eat cedar if they're desperate. I don't know if that's true. Times has been tough for the deer out here. Yeah, you know, maybe the farmers in the area didn't grow enough corn that year, but yeah, th- that was the first year they ever came into town to eat the cedars. A whole bunch of people lost their cedars that year.
0: I have a theory that animals are experiencing urbanization. Oh, I'm sure. Because they realize, wow, like a coyote, wow, it's so easy to eat these cats because they're kept in a cage. Mm-hmm. A mountain lion in California, they found 12 collars in it. Like, I think, you know how you ever hear online, like, gangs are coming and taking your dogs out of your yeah. front yard to fight? Like, no, that's just coyotes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, they've gotten, like, at my parents' house, like, they're as suburban as you can get, and like, there's deers running through the neighborhood and like bears eating out of compost or not out of compost like out of garbages and stuff mm-hmm. so i have a i have a animal urbanization theory that i've been tossing around in my head that i feel like it makes sense like it it is easier to sustain a living here because there's so much food scraps everywhere and like mm-hmm. every yard literally has food for
1: you if you're a predator like That rat bastard gopher i've shot it 11 times and it still eats my kale you gotta really shoot it you gotta break out the
0: 22 for it yeah my dad's actually going to do
1: electric fence around it
0: because he he has a gopher too and he doesn't want to kill it.
1: Mm. I don't have sympathy for it.
0: It attacked my chickens. I've never seen anything why don't you like trap that before. It? We tried, failed.
1: Put a chicken in there, <laughs> trap it, and give it a slow death in the river. I wouldn't be able to do that. I'd have to be <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Normally, I because they are cute. But after like the third time, I replanted my Brussels sprouts and it ate it anyway. I'm like, nope, I have no sympathy for you. You're going down.
0: He has a raised bed garden though. And I guess it climbs, he has a raised bed and then like fence around it. And I guess it climbs up and over it. But I'm going to, I'm going to put a hotline up for him and that's going to, yeah. Maybe I'll have to do that because I have raised beds too and
1: it gets into mine.
0: If you do a ground, because you could do a ground to the ground or you can do a ground like as an actual wire. And Mm -hmm. if you put them real close together, it will definitely get them.
1: Hmm.
0: I'm open to it. Yeah, because you could even do a solar powered one, so it's not like you don't have, to have like lines or anything out to yeah. it. Sweet. And then also you have the electric fence set up, and you might just have two pigs in the yard one day when he gets back from work. Uh, that'd be lovely. <laughs> that'd be great. Oh, and I'd be like,
1: look how cute they are, and then I'm like, no, nah, I can never kill them. Sorry.
0: Yeah, it's if you go, I've never, I've never shot them myself. Like I've been there when they've been shot, and now I just bring them to the butcher. So that makes it a lot easier, where it's not... I'd be, like, crying as I leave the butcher. I'd be like,
2: there no! goes Lefty.
0: <laughs> ducks, ducks were the hardest for me, because they have blue eyes, mm-hmm. and they don't close their eyes. Like, when you put a chicken in a cone, you put it upside down, and all the blood rushes to its head, and it sort of, it, like, relaxes a little. Like, it's mm-hmm. still, it's not, like, instant. Like, you gotta cut them and bleed them out, and they're they're definitely not happy when that happens. But... Mm with a duck like it was like it eyes wouldn't close and it was just like looking back at me the whole time and that was like the the weirdest butchering i had and i don't the ducks hate me like on instagram i always share that like every time i go out they're pissed at me they run away from me all the time like Mm -hmm. i give them food and
1: stuff yep i don't know that was the case with our one duck it was not really a personable duck but it did a great job protecting the flock so it had my hats off to it you got to get some geese yeah, maybe next year. I really want to have a dock, and I'm afraid geese will shoot on the dock and just make messes. Yeah, they definitely will. So I'm kind of not in favor of the geese thing. I'd rather uh, pig. Yeah, I wonder... I'm always shooing the Canadian geese. Yeah, I wonder the if yard. the Canadian geese, like if you had regular geese, they might keep the Canadian
0: geese away. Because maybe. they would think of this as their home. And they'd be like, get they get swans, aren't they, assholes? Swans are fucking murderers. It's awesome. I literally saw a picture recently of a swan that killed a fox like a big ass fox right outside
1: of his nest. Hey, I I'm down for that. And they're beautiful. We My only fear is that they'd be mean to the customers trying to like get into kayaks and stuff and that could be problematic. They I'd have swan feeding. Oh for yeah,
0: dinner. I guess. Eh, it's but a think story how
1: beautiful that would be. Like just beautiful white swans out on the grass river out back at sunrise. Or sunset. if you
0: just give everybody a cup of grain. Like don't worry. You'll you'll know when the swan comes out. Just like shh, shh. Yeah, if you get if you feed them they don't mind it.
1: Yeah. Maybe I will get swans. I wanted peacocks, but the, I guess
0: they're allowed to. Yeah. So I let. I was watching my neighbor's house, and the peacock got out. I feel pretty bad about it. It was a male. No, it was was it a male? Males yeah, are a, the pretty ones. No, then it was a female. But if there's not a female, supposedly you can have two males. Oh. I felt bad though. I felt like a dumbass. Did it die? And stay away. No, just we just couldn't catch it. Oh. It was just. It Did was you just, ever catch it? No. Nah, they just. Oh. It was just out. do you have like a a favorite failure of your own or like, have you had like a, a a parent failure that set you up for success at a later date?
1: Hmm. Well, I think running for office was a failure.
0: Yeah. I was going to, I was going to say that actually. That's, that seems Um, like it taught you a lot and it
1: hasn't set me up with anything great yet. Um, you learned that you don't want to be in politics. Yeah, true, (laughs) true. I know what I don't want to do. Um, I don't even know. I would not say that was my favorite failure. That was shitty. Um, favorite failure. I don't know. I would really have to think about that. I, I can't think of like a a good example of that.
0: We'll do, we'll do the next question. If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say and why? Yeah, and just come a little closer to the mic too. Or I guess you're good if you didn't
1: change spots. Um, I'd probably get a big real estate billboard and I would have something on it to the effect of what makes going with me as a realtor different. Like I'd do something with drone photography and I would do something with like research, historic research on the house and how I do um, micro-targeting online for my clients and how you're not going to get that anywhere else. What do you mean by micro-targeting? Um, so if I, pardon me, hiccups, if I'm selling a farmhouse, when I post online, you know, the listing, I target it to people who are interested in A, buying a house, and B, like farms. So uh, the clients who I showed the property that I uh, showed yesterday, the ones right before them found my thing on Facebook specifically because they're farmer people, and it went to them so do you do like f- Facebook sponsored ads towards that oh yeah Facebook sponsored ads uh, Google AdWords I love Google AdWords it's almost better than Facebook um, so both of those have been extremely successful and I th- I find for what I pay in the results are outstanding
0: hmm I gotta get better with my I'm getting pretty good at Facebook like I've been do you have a pixel install on your website and stuff like a tr- it's like a tracking thing on Facebook I don't know you should get I, I mean, of... I get Facebook metrics. I don't know if... Facebook Pixel, it's basically like um, when you go to... Let's say you went to my website like a month later. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd send an ad to you like, hey, what are you waiting for? Rates are going to go up to 6%. If you mm-hmm. went on like philip.com slash farmhouse search, mm-hmm. uh, you could you could say, hey, a farmhouse is coming. Like, our. I don't know. A new farmhouse is coming to to link that sort of thing. Hmm. So I've been I've been working a lot with that and trying to figure out like um like we have different like purchase qualifiers on our website yep. and how to like all right somebody went to purchase qualifier but they didn't fill it out like sending ads to them and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Travis does most of the Google AdWords stuff, but I want to get better at that too. Oh, I like that stuff. It's fun. Yeah, I mean it's just Google. Um, as long as there's not any. Anti-monopoly lawsuits. I think Google, Facebook, and Amazon are going to run the world.
1: They probably should be in.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: but that's a story for another day.
0: We'll get into that story. What do you think? What do you think the government should step in on the
1: internet? Basically, I think so. If you believe in a free market economy, um, monopolies are a bad thing, and there are negative externalities, and that's a, a proper role for government to break to break monopolies to to break. Uh, I just almost said the big banks, but I don't know enough about that really to to know or to to care, frankly. Um, Yeah, I I do think that I would want to be much better informed on it before I really had a a firm opinion. But my inclination is I think you hear merger, merger, merger left and right. And eventually it's going to get to be where there's not enough competition in the market and the consumers will suffer as a result of that. So I do think there is a role for government in in doing that. But I would want to be extremely careful. Yeah. Well, it's also interesting how they are, like, uh, Silicon
0: Valley and the big companies are almost their own government with silencing people. Like, Mm -hmm. taking Alex Jones off the air. Even though he said crazy stuff and, like, probably isn't the best guy, just getting to choose that you get to take him off the air. Like, Mm -hmm. it's basically... It's not government censorship, but like it's corporate private censorship. Yeah, corporate censorship who have such a big, mm-hmm. a big influence, and it's pretty interesting. Honestly, like I'm, I'm curious how it's. I'm almost a little worried how it's going to play out because most politicians are just old people who don't understand Facebook. So the questions they asked during the uh, Facebook ad hearing were so oh, hilarious. Zuckerberg? Oh, Zuckerberg! Yeah, boy. yeah, I watched a part of that. And Zuck the robot. Painful.
1: painful. <laughs> so how do you support your business? We run ads, sir. <laughs> Yeah, he's a peach.
0: Oh, that's so funny. Him preaching, preaching about openness, and then his his like private thing in Hawaii has like twelve foot concrete walls. I love. Uh, why can't I think of that word? Hypocrisy like that. Oh yeah, that's funny. Uh, I oh, mean, we're oh, all guilty of it to some extent. Yeah, it's just so funny. In the past five years, what new belief, behavior,
1: or habit has most improved your life? Well, I mean, we're beating the dead horse there, but the, the change in uh, my nutrition. I've had Lyme disease since 2008, chronic Lyme disease. Uh, and I think that until my most recent um, encounter with you know having to fight back and to take doxycycline again which is awful for me i feel worse on doxycycline than i do with lyme but um changing my diet going in an anti-inflammatory direction that made a a huge difference in my quality of life about a year ago my doctor was yelling at me on the phone telling me i needed to use my cane and now i'm walking around Lifting lifting walnut desks lifting walnut desks uh, he, Like total, total change I mean, I was so embarrassed I, There was no way I was going to walk with a cane in public Are you kidding me? Which was foolish I mean, if I would have fallen and hurt myself I would have been in worse shape But, um, yeah, my my joints got pretty bad there for a while So that I would say that ch- just lifestyle change in, in terms of nutrition and wellness Has made a big, big difference
0: Yeah, you feel so much
1: better Oh, like, yeah
0: This past month I, I thought don't... all
1: that crap was woo-woo and junk Nope
0: no, vegetables, kale, kale really is magical. Mm-hmm. When do you feel successful? Like When do you feel like you're doing, you're doing everything right? Everything's firing on all cylinders.
1: Mm. Results. I would say, um, I always have checklists. And at the end of the day, when I had a super long list and everything checked off, I'm like, huh, oh, okay. That's, you know, you, you can, have, for me anyway, I can have a relaxing day where I sit in bed and watch Netflix all day and I go to bed feeling guilty. Or I can get up and do 1,100 things that I've been putting off and I go to bed and think about, wow, I did those 1,100 things I was putting off. That's awesome. <sighs> off to sleep I go. Yeah. Uh, so for me... When I have accomplished something tangible, when you know whether it be being able to just see it on the list that I've done all these things, or you know, it's the completion of a major renovation in the house, or it's selling a, a big old house or selling a farm. When it's done, when it's complete, when it's something that I don't know, you tangible, I guess is the best word for it. When yeah, you really do have that sense of completion. I like that.
0: Do you? Are you one of those like? Do you have like a five year goal and then a one year goal and then like micro goals towards it? Or do you no, have, I'm terrible at that. I want. All I want to do. I want to get so much better at that. I want to be like more more goal driven and like my main goal now has been like from five. I guess I got three years now to be like completely off grid mm-hmm. and like pretty much self sustaining. But I want to be better at like breaking it down into yep.
1: like the just, smart goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. I'm very impatient I and maybe it's a millennial thing I'm like I want every room in this house done and I want it done now that's not really likely to happen Philip like sorry but it's yeah. gonna have to be done in chunks yeah um, and and I sometimes struggle with really taking the accomplishments and enjoying them like I might get like five minutes of oh I'm really happy that's done that was whatever, and it's done. This is great. Five minutes later, well, this plaster is chipping. I'd really like to, uh, get that taken care of. Forget about the fact that I just finished a $70,000 renovation on the house. Let's do this one now. Yeah. Hey, uh, rationally, I can say, no, you have come so far. Enjoy the moment. It's fine. Nothing is, I mean, that kids aren't eating the chips of paint. It's probably not lit anyway, but, uh, just take things a little more slowly. I have to tell myself that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, just relax and like mm-hmm. en- enjoy your accomplishments. Not good at that. I'm sort of good at it. Sarah's not good at that. She's always like, oh, i got to work on the next thing and this and that." Like, I'm like, look at you. Like You built like three barns this summer. I'm like, calm down, relax. You're doing badass. It's probably a blessing and a curse, though. Because mm-hmm. some people, I'm sure, they're like, oh, I got out of bed and made a bowl of cereal. Oh, like, yeah, complacency. I'm, I'm so
1: proud of myself oh it's like daggers in my heart just thinking about that
0: so what is the best way for people to get in touch with you what's like what's your website your
1: instagrams your so facebook magicmercantile.com uh philip lloyd page on facebook philip lloyd page on uh, instagram one l in philip two l's in lloyd and an i in page um instagram is my happy place uh that's my favorite. Social media. Um, yeah, I would say that Instagram is probably the best place. Um, Magic Mercantile is fine. But if, if somebody really wants to get in touch, Instagram or text. Yeah, they can they can figure it out. We got yeah. Google. Yep.
0: Perfect. Well, you got anything else? No. Think, I, think I Think that was good? Yeah, this was good. How long did we go? How long do you think? An hour and
1: now we're in 30 minutes. Two thirty-two. Oh huh. my god, that was almost a Rogan episode.
0: Yeah, no, I'm trying to. I'm trying to get to it. Wow. Well, everybody, that was episode three of Craigcast, and I will see y'all next time. I see you.